computer in time. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel, oops, not the Druff and Drexel show, the Druff and Friends show. Too used to saying that in the past. I don't know how I messed that one up. I've been saying the, to- the title of the show properly, but I guess uh, my mind zapped out for a second as I sprinted back to uh, get the show started when I heard the music end. So yeah, it's the Druff and Friends show. I hope it'll be the Druff and Drexel show again one day. But, uh, yeah, Brandon Drexel-Gerson, no longer a part of this show, and, uh, you know, I do hope he comes back one day, though. It's definitely an open invitation if he ever wants to return, as there is an open invitation to any of the co-hosts that have been on this show, including Vowels and China Maniac and Seriously Serious and all the others. So, anyway, today, October 1st, 2013... Before we get going, I want to tell you, as usual, we have a free roll. Not as big as usual, maybe because we only had five days since the last show. And, uh, you know, last week we had it on Thursday, so today we're here on our normal date on Tuesday. So, the free roll this week is $25. All thanks to 
hockey guy. Very nice of him to donate the $25. Oh, I just got good news here. In fact, the news is so good that uh, I don't even want to tell you the news until I give it the proper introduction. I just got word that someone can co-host with me tonight. So for once, I don't have to speak for three hours straight. I'm, I'm so happy about that, I can't tell you. So uh, we will have that co-host on very shortly. But uh, tonight we have a free roll, which is $25. It will be 15 for first and 10 for second. That's it. 15 for first and 10 for second. Nothing else gets paid. So try to get the top two spots, or otherwise you are the bubble boy or worse. So that'll be on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that at the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. And you don't need anything. It's totally free. You don't need play chips. It's definitely not a real money tournament. I mean, you can win real money, but you don't have to put in real money to play it. Totally free. No Limit Hold'em, 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time. And only requirement to win the free money is you have to have had a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert Forum as of January 1st, 2013. If you did not have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert Forum by January 1st, 2013, you will need to send me an email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me how long you've been listening, things you recognize about the show, things you remember about the show, things you like, things you dislike. Just convince me that you have been listening. So I know you're not just here to collect the free roll money. And I will give you a one-time exception that will be good for the lifetime of this tournament, meaning every week, to qualify for the money, even if you don't have a free account by that date. So that will be starting 7.40 sharp. Unlike this show, the free roll starts on time all the time because it's dictated by a computer. And it does not have late registration. So make sure to get over there. cash free roll, I will pay you in any way you like. PayPal, bank transfer, check, whatever. Even if you can see me somewhere in in Vegas or L.A., I can give you cash. So before I continue any further, any further, now this is crazy. Hmm. I I have have even better news. We have a very generous offer. You're not going to believe this. Eric Ryland, who won a lot of money recently on WSOP.com, in fact, he claimed that uh, he was listening to the show the other day in the archives, and it kept him grinding, it kept him calm to listen to this show. He didn't get bored. So he won 5K while listening to this show. So he is going to put a $100 bounty on himself. So if you knock out Eric Ryland from the tournament, which is obviously the best play, Better than finishing first by far. You get a hundred bucks from Eric Ryland. Now he claims he's going to send it to me to give to you, whoever knocks him out. And um, if he doesn't, then it'll be on him to pay you. But I would like for him to send it to me because he asked me for my PayPal, and hopefully he just sends it that way, and uh, then I can pay you. Otherwise, you'll have to get it from him. But that's his offer: a hundred dollar bounty 
on himself. I, I assume his name on the site is something about Ryland. I don't know his his name, but I assume it's Ryland something. So, good luck knocking him out. There's going to be a, a every time he's in a hand, people are going to just shove in to try to knock him out. I can just imagine. So it'll be interesting. Hundred dollar bounty on Eric Ryland from Eric Ryland, and we appreciate that. We appreciate him giving back to the community. So let me put on our co-host, who claims he's ready. Be the first time I've had a co-host here in quite some time. And here he is. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, China Maniac, back with the show once again. What's happening, Druff? How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm all right. I'm very happy to have you on the show here. It's it's tough to do this myself, and uh, people seem to like having you as a co-host. So uh, it's it's easier on me. It makes the show better, so I'm glad to have you here. And... Yeah. Oh, I might have some breaking news. I don't know if you, um, did you get the update from GCG today? I get nothing from them, so here, you can break the news. Third time today already. All right, well, I just got this on a tweet from, um, Marco, and, um, says, important update, October 1st, 2013. We are pleased to report that the remission process is now well underway. <laughs> all, all told, GCG has sent over 1.4 million email notifications to Full Tilt Poker players. And in response, GCG has already received over 23,500 petitions through online filing system. The email notification process is now complete. If you did not receive an email and you believe you are in Full Tilt's database and you should have been identified as a potential eligible player, please contact us to provide your updated email address, and we will provide you with your petition and control numbers if you have been assigned them. What a mess. To the extent GCG has been provided with physical mailing addresses, we will be sending postcards to petitioners whose emails were returned as undeliverable in the next few weeks. So yeah. that's their update. Today. Yeah, I'm sure they can sit around uh, waiting for that postcard when they don't get their email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I ran really well with this because I got I had an updated email address. It wasn't even the same one as when Full Tilt closed down. And the first day these petitions were open, I got an email with a control number and um, the petition number, and it took me one minute to figure it out and. Hopefully it works out well. Well, yeah, I hope so, because for me it has not worked out well. Um, oh, boy, I, I can't believe this. Uh, tonight we start out with just 25 bucks, and it just keeps getting better. I'm going to have to play the sound effect for the fourth time tonight. This is crazy. I'm not sure if this person wants himself identified, but I will if the person says it's okay. Um, $100 is being added to the prize pool by somebody through Bobby Orr. He can say if he wants who it is, but uh, someone's donating through Bobby Orr $100 to the prize pool. Okay, okay so it's uh, it's uh, actually a well-known pro. Victor Romden is donating $100 to the prize pool. I know he listens to the show sometimes. Uh, I got to meet him in person uh, briefly during the World Series when I was uh, down to the final 12 at the 5K limit. And, um, yeah, I'm going to have to change the payouts here. I hate having to make this stuff up on the spot because 
It's like I feel under pressure. I can't leave, leave dead air on the show, and I, I have to just come up with something really fast. But I'm, I'm very happy it was donated. So now the prize pool is 125. So I'm going to have to say it will be uh, 70 for first, uh, 30 for second, 15 for third, and 10 for fourth. 70, 30, 15, and 10. It's a top-heavy payout here, and 100 if you knock out Ryland. And the reason I made it 70 for first is because I, I want first to mean something if Ryland's going to be paying out $100, which he said he sent me, by the way. If Ryland's going to pay out 100 bucks to have himself knocked out, I want first to mean something, too. So 70 bucks for first, 30 for second, 15 for third, 10 for fourth, 100 to knock out Eric Ryland. So a surprisingly rich prize pool that started out with absolutely nothing today. This afternoon, we had nothing to give away. Then Hockey Guy sent 25. Then Ryland pledged 100. Then Victor Robden pledged 100. I thank you guys very much. Very generous of you guys to do this. And, um, you know, it's if, if you're in this free roll, you're in great shape. And that's why you should always try to listen to the show live because you never know when we're going to get these last-minute donations and uh, you can make some some uh, decent money there in the free roll. You know, this wouldn't be a very good free roll if we had 1,000 people. But we have pretty small pools of people entering these free rolls. So you have a very realistic chance to win. So what, what is it what do we usually get for these free rolls? About uh, 60, yeah, 70? Yeah, 60 and sometimes even less than that depending on the night. You know, you, it's definitely a small field. And it sure beats going through a Hubble's free roll on Poker Stars trying to beat <laughs> 6,000 people for yeah. like 5 bucks, yeah. you know. I mean this this is a great deal for free rolls and and you get the money on PayPal. Or I'll send you a check. I, I've sent checks to people. I, I've made bank transfers to people. I prefer PayPal. It's the easiest for me. But this is real money you get. You don't have to wait for like withdrawal requirements or wait five months for checks or get the money on some kind of shady site. So anyway, um, you know, there's uh, I, I won't play the ESPN sound effect again, even though this is uh, more of an ESPN thing. But uh, tonight. The Pittsburgh Pirates are trying so hard to finally make the playoffs. I guess in a way they've made the playoffs, but they're they're not even in the NLDS yet, and they have not finished with a above 500 record since 1992. Finally, this year they did it, and they have to play a one-game playoff against the Reds for the final wild card spot, or to be the wild card in the National League, and they are currently winning five to one. In the sixth inning, so I think they're going to do it. Yeah, they're cruising. Lariano's got looks like Lariano's dominating, and they're getting some good hitting. So I mean, barring a miracle here from the Reds in these last few innings, then looks like it's going to be Pitt. So I think uh, Bad Guy's probably happy about this. I know he's a big uh, Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and uh, you know if the Dodgers don't manage to get all the way through, I actually hope the Pirates do, just because uh, yeah, I think they deserve it after the twenty years of misery. 20 straight losing seasons. Forget 20 seasons of no playoffs. 20 straight seasons where they lost, where they finished with more losses than wins. So, looks like they will be facing the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, barring some meltdown here in the final three innings, in the NLDS, and the Dodgers will be playing the Atlanta Braves, and I'm, I'm still looking to get a ticket for that one at a good price for where I want to sit. Are you going to go to any uh, Red Sox games? Probably not. Probably just watch them on TV. Okay. 
So, I might not even watch them on TV. A lot of the times I just watch the box scores because I'm usually grinding on a, um, you know, at a desk and I don't have a TV in here. So a lot of times I'll just watch the box score. I won't even listen to the games. Just check the highlights later. Okay. All right, so here's the agenda tonight. Let me uh, get over to the... In the haste to check my PMs... I lost the agenda, but it's it's right here. And of course, we may add to this tonight if there's other topics to come up, or if you want to bring up anything yourself, China Maniac. Sure. So you already started one of the topics, and then it'll be our first topic: the update regarding the full tilt poker claim failures. I was hoping the thing you were going to read was something that was good news, but it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it isn't. It's uh, it's still a big mess over there. And I'm going to give an update of, as to what's going on at the Full Tilt Claims process with Garden City Group and give some advice on things to do. And I will even read what someone claims to be a correspondence with lawyers for the Assets Forfeiture Group at the uh, United States government that should perhaps give a little bit of clarity, provided that person is not uh, making the whole thing up, which is always possible. Is this the guy nineteen whatever? Yeah, Ford? yeah, yeah nineteen thirty-eight Ford on two plus two. I think I think, yes. he's, I think, he's, I think he's been posting a lot in that thread in all of these threads since they started. So I don't think this is a troll job or yeah, anything I didn't like think that. so either. If if I thought that, I probably I wouldn't read it on the show. So I just gave the disclaimer just in case uh, the guy's trolling all of us. But I, I think it's probably legit everything he posted. Um, Lock Poker, they're really circling the drain. And I know I've said this before, but uh, they have hit an all-time low for the level their money is trading on 2 plus 2. On 2 plus 2, you can actually go on there and trade lock money for real money at a huge markdown. And how huge is the markdown now? It's now 15%. So if you have $10,000 on lock... Wow. It would be $1,500 in your pocket to transfer someone else that $10,000. That's how bad it's getting over there. We'll talk about that. The Ivy Room at Aria. This is really weird. If you go there now, that's the private... Well, it's not really private. It's the high-limit room at the Aria. It can't be private by law, but it is kind of separated. But the sign on the room no longer says just the Ivy Room. It says the Ivy Room, and under it, another sign saying AG400. And they won't tell anyone what AG400 means. Sounds like a robot's name. So uh, Colonel Fabersham's going to call up the Aria and see if he can find out. Any guesses? No, I, I was thinking of it. I, I, and people are making jokes about it on 2 Plus 2 and even on this site. But I, Wouldn't, know, wouldn't are, Aria Gaming make sense? It could be, but why would that be a secret? Mm, I don't know. Maybe there. I have no idea. And why 400? See, the, the AG is one thing, but the 400 kind of throws yeah, me off. Yeah, 400. What does that even mean? It's so strange. Okay, so uh, Archie Karras, who uh, was known to have the best gambling streak ever, where he supposedly ran $50 up to $40 million at one point, and then lost it all back to the casino. Now, that's an old story. It's a very old story. But the new story with Archie Karras is he was caught cheating for much less than $40 million. And he was arrested. We'll talk about that. Vanessa Russo, she uh, is branching out to uh, do other things besides poker and uh, GoDaddy commercials. 
She now thinks she's a DJ. You can file this under the category of poker players who think they're automatically good at everything else because they succeed in poker. You know, a la Prelad Friedman. At all. I'll talk about uh, Vanessa Russo and play her interview about this matter. 888-POKER. They are taking action against table campers. Now, table campers are not people who wait for action. That's fine. But it is a pretty unethical practice. I'll talk about what table camping is. And I'll give my opinion as to whether or not I think they're doing the right thing. And you can chime in on that too, of course. And if for some reason we're still going in about two and a half hours, we will try to call the Barcelona Arts Hotel at 10 p.m., which is 7 a.m. their time, (laughs) and maybe reach the security over there. But uh, the previous calls we've tried to make have failed because they have been at the wrong time, and it's before 7 there, and the security staff just isn't in. So if we're on at 10, we'll try it. No guarantee it succeeds. We always just... uh, you know, make these calls on the fly. Chico Loco for this one? Uh, I was going to actually... Yeah, actually, for that one, I don't know. Actually, it was Alvin Finkelstein who called last time uh, on behalf <laughs> of Colonel Fabersham. <laughs> I actually don't want it to be like too outrageous with like a Chico right. Loco thing because I, I want to get some real answers. I don't want them to... I mean, it, it's funny when Chico Loco calls, but I actually want to see what answers they'll give. <laughs> so, uh, anyway... Uh, So let's uh, let's get started with the full tilt stuff here. Uh, I, I know for you, it's gone well, or at least so far gone well. You you got your right. control number. Did it have the right balance for you? Had the correct balance. Oh, gee, you run so well. Yeah, <laughs> you run no, so the, very the ama- well. The amazing part is, I had to switch my email. Like uh, I had to switch my email, and they it still came up correct. They sent it to my new email. Maybe and I that's what helped you. E- I switched the email with them months ago. Maybe so. that's what helped you. Yeah, that, that might have been what helped me. Yeah, because my email has been the same for years and years and years, and I know it's correct in there because they've sent me other crap, not Garden City Group, but Full Tilt has, since they went down. Right. And I did not get anything. Um, you know, Sometimes really just, just, being, just doing something out of the ordinary will sometimes help you in these type of situations. Did it, you try to file a petition? I did, uh, but I had to do it from memory. It's a big mess. I'm, I would love to get the real control number and redo it or something. I don't know if I can do a second petition now though, that I've already filed the first one. It's such a big mess. I think you can, and I've actually heard that people that file petitions, like, after you file it, it'll make you log in. It wouldn't let me log in for some reason. And then, like, the second time I tried it, I logged in, and my balance popped up. No, I was I think... able to log in, but uh, the login was, like, a login based upon the new petition, so it knew nothing. Okay. So, I gotcha. so all right. Uh, first of all, I want to give uh, a few pieces of information. First of all, you need to file a petition. When I say you, I mean the listener. If you had any money on full tilt, I don't care if you think they may exclude you. I don't care if they have told you that you don't qualify. You should file a petition anyway, because there is nothing against the law about doing so. So you should definitely get a petition in and then worry about whether it's valid later. So even if you are ineligible, even if you're sure you're ineligible, try anyway. Even if they told you you're ineligible and not to file a petition, you should do one anyway. Because uh, anyone can file a petition as long as you put the true and correct information to the best of your knowledge. 
That's the only legal requirement. You do not have to be in a group that will get the money. You can be excluded and still petition for it. Your petition will probably be denied, but it's worth it, especially if you're one of the borderline cases, like an affiliate or a vendor or someone that also had money on full tilt that feels you should get the money, even though right now they're saying you won't. So don't give up. Definitely file a petition. Um, I heard today that only 1.4% of all people with U.S. full tilt accounts with money in them have filed petitions. Wow. That's pretty bad. I knew it would be a fairly low number, but uh, 1.4% is much, 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 much lower. I mean, at the end of it... I bet it makes up 95% of the money, though. That's a good question. But but still, 1.4% of people with money on the site, from one penny all the way up to uh, millions, right. Right. Uh, that's still a, a crazy low number as far as people filing petitions. So get your petition in. Uh, I would suggest if you did not get the email from them, and, and I'll get to this shortly, that you don't just file a new one like I did. I probably made a mistake. I probably have to go back and fix this. But um, here is... A, something that was posted on 2 Plus 2 by a guy who's been following this pretty closely. He calls himself 1938 Ford. And he claims he spoke to a lawyer at the asset forfeiture and money laundering section of the government. He refers to them as AFMLS. So when I say that term, you'll know what I'm talking about. The asset forfeiture and money laundering section of the U.S. government. So um, this is what he wrote. I spoke at some length with an attorney for the AFMLS working on this case today. She is the same attorney that graciously returned my call to discuss another issue a few weeks ago. During our discussion, she told me that the AFMLS is acutely aware of the various issues and problems with the remissions process to date, including the, quote, affiliate issue. In fact, they follow these forums. It'd be nice if they posted on these forums, by the way. That's, yeah, that's, that's, make things a little easier. Yeah, she said there has been some discussion about adding an FAQ or two to the website to help people understand the process. Yeah, really? Like, how long have they had to do this? Why, why are they just learning on the job right now? It's, it's amazing how unprepared they were. In the interim, she shared the following: one, GCG, that's Garden City Group, the um, firm that is managing these refunds, will not be the decision maker in allowing or denying petitions. It's the job of GCG to collect the petitions, compile information from them, identify issues and questions to submit that information to the AFMLS for resolution. Consequently, the affiliate issue, that's referring to how if you ran an affiliate program for Full Tilt that right now you're not eligible for a refund, will be handled at levels above the scope of authority granted to the GCG. So she's saying here, uh, Garden City Group will not be making decisions of whether you get your money or not that they're just collecting everything and handing it over to the asset forfeiture group. Two, this is the first million-plus claim remission case the AFMLS has handled. It is also the first case that has allowed electronic submission of petitions. It has been and continues to be challenging. Well, yeah, that's all their fault. They, they are not doing it right. They, they didn't think this through beforehand, despite having a long time to do so. So he goes on to write, As such... They're still in the process of identifying problems and working on solutions. These problems include the inability to upload more than 10 documents and the inability to to delete or amend a petition or document that has been submitted. I found that myself. I wanted to, uh, you know, I want to go back and change what I submitted. 
and you know, provided I can get the right control numbers, and there's no way to do that right now. Uh, she is she shared the concern with the many multiple petitions filed by the same victims, delaying the process, and suggests people get everything in order before they submit their petition and have it ready when they submit. So that's the mistake I made, where I, I couldn't get my balance. It showed zero. I gave up. I never got any email from them, so I said, screw it, and just uh, submitted my own stuff and uh, took my best uh, guess as to what was owed to me, based upon the documentation I had. I probably made a mistake by doing this, because she's saying that uh, you really should get everything in order, and and, uh, definitely not file more than one petition, which I won't do. I want to find a way to uh, either cancel my previous one or uh, amend it. So she's saying if you do two or more, that it'll probably uh, delay your getting paid. Number three, she also suggests that petitions do not have to be submitted today and that petitions received on the last day to submit will be in the same position as the petitions received on the first day. There will be no prejudice associated with filing later rather than sooner. So that was something I wondered. If you submit your petition at the very beginning, are you first in line or is everyone in the same place in line as long as they get it by November 16th? So she's saying that it doesn't matter when you get it through as long as it's by the deadline. It's all treated the same, which... Hopefully it's true, and if so, then there definitely is no rush, provided you remember to do it in time. Number four. She also indicated that the AFMLS hopes to be able to make interim distributions in this case. This would mean that it's possible payments can be made to the undisputed claimants before the disputed claims are completely resolved. Now, what they're saying here is that in a case like China Maniac, where they say, we show we owe you this, he says, yes, I agree, and submits it, that they're hoping that people like him can get paid immediately. When I say immediately, I mean quickly, not immediately. But hope people like him get paid quickly, while people who are disputing the amount, like me, where it shows zero and it's wrong, it'll take a little bit longer. But at least the simple cases that get out of the way first. But they're not saying that this has happened yet. It says, this decision has not yet been made and will be primarily dependent upon the calculation of total claims versus total money available to pay the claim. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the way it's going to go down. Like, let's say they have 150 million on hand, and only 100 million is claimed, and 80 million of the claimants are all correct and match up with what they have. Then I think they're going to pay that 80 million out re- relatively quickly, and then just you know go through the other 20 million and figure out what's going you know what's wrong or whatever yeah i think they're so. also saying here that um they don't want to pay people out first who you know have it all in order only to find out there's not enough to to pay people later right when, when they don't have it all in order so they're going to add up all the petitions together right and say in the case where every single one of these petitions is right and they get the money they're asking for right. will we still have enough money to pay if so then they'll pay the people first who have the simple ones like you. Otherwise, they're going to hold up the whole thing. That's basically what she's saying. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any, just about no way that they would be short on money for this. I yeah, mean, probably not. Unless uh, unless you have some people that are just like trying to game the process and uh, submit right. uh, a lot more than they really have, which I'm sure will be some of those people. Right. Number five. She also shared the concerns about the DOJ wanting to keep players' money or delay payments so that interest could be collected or unfounded. It costs the DOJ money from their budget to prosecute these cases and make remissions. None of the money seized or forfeited goes to the DOJ. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of uh, 
yes, maybe the DOJ itself doesn't keep it, but uh, if it goes into a general fund uh, of some sort, and the DOJ gets to brag about it afterwards that, you know, our actions made the government such and such money, that's good enough for them, even if it doesn't go directly into their operating budget. So, I have to say here, the way they're doing it doesn't look like they want to make remissions. It makes it look like that they want to look like they're making remissions, but they want to make it kind of difficult on everyone. And anyone who doesn't come forward by themselves will uh, will get nothing. Like, I, I still don't get, why am I not getting an email? Why are so many people not getting an email? When they definitely have all the emails on file. It makes no sense. And your email is the same as it was on Black Friday? Yep, hasn't changed in years. Wow. And I even got a post-Black Friday email from Full Tilt. Right. Let me, let me get the date. I have it right here. Just to show everyone I'm not crazy. What kind of account is it? Is it a Hotmail account? No. It's a very reliable email through my internet provider. That never because Nothing it's... ever gets lost. October 11, 2012, I got a message from Full Tilt saying that um, they're not going to be offering real money in the U.S. until it's permissible to do so under relevant law. I got that on October 11, 2012. So you, you see they have the right email for me. Right. Number six. She told me the DOJ wants to return the victims their money. She told me the DOJ wants to return the victims their money. <laughs> they do not want the people responsible for the fraud or people that benefited directly from the fraud to also benefit from remission. This is the purpose of the exclusion list. Well, okay. But couldn't they have thought this out properly? Couldn't they have thought out, wait a minute, why should we be excluding vendors? Why don't we just exclude the vendors that look shady, like look like they might be vendors that actually are full tilt? Why exclude all vendors? Why punish anyone who provided a service for full tilt and got paid in full tilt money? How did they ever think that was a good idea? How did they think the affiliate thing was a good idea, given how big the whole affiliate thing was in online poker, and how none of these affiliates had anything to do with Full Tilt? Or just about right. none of them did. Like Some of them already paid taxes on all this Yeah, that's, so don't tell me the DOJ wants them to keep their money. I mean, they, they, that was a dumb decision on their part, and now everyone's in a panic about it. And, and people are even being wrongly flagged as affiliates, like the ones who were customers of This is the Nuts. So I don't know if I believe that either. Uh, but at least it's good that they're claiming right now that uh, they just want everyone to get their money who wasn't involved in the fraud at Full Tilt. Yeah, I know I know a couple of people that... I know one guy that has about 75K that was flagged as an affiliate or something, and somebody else I'm pretty sure that was probably flagged as an affiliate, but I'm not sure. I haven't talked to them, but when I talked to them about a year ago, I think they had like 175K on there, and it's just crazy that, that you know how how much money is in these uh, probably in a lot of people that were affiliates accounts and how they're going to resolve this are they, are they going to pay them are they not going to pay them they say they're not eligible but at the end of the day it's you know there's everybody's going to either appeal it or you know hire lawyers to take action and see if they can get their money back and it should be interesting to see how it plays out yeah it will be and 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 you know what like the red pros for example they're saying current red pros of full tilt are not eligible. Why is that? Why should a current pro of full tilt owned by poker stars 
Uh, yeah, and PokerStars received it because they bought it from the government itself. They're the ones who put up all the money for this in the first place. Why should a current Red Pro signed after Black Friday, after this whole mess occurred, why should they be ineligible for any other reason but the government wanting to keep the money? So I right. like things like that are highly suspicious to me. Number seven. She suggested that people who have learned from GCG that they are on the list and or have been told they are an affiliate submit the petition regardless of the status as reported by GCG. So that's what I was saying before. No matter what they say, submit your petition anyway. Uh, the AFMLS is aware there are people identified as affiliates that are not really affiliates. She did not know if this issue was going to be resolved before the actual petition review, but she is confident it will be completely resolved so that innocent victims are paid their money. I hope so. Number eight. The current plan for petitions that are in dispute and have problems identified by GCG, such as no proof or not enough proof of the loss claimed, is to send a deficiency notice to the petitioner to allow them to correct or amend their petition before it's submitted for a ruling. This may be the stage where petitioners are formally notified that they are on the affiliate exclusion list and will serve to provide them the opportunity to explain why they were not an affiliate. So basically, you're guilty till proven innocent, what they're trying to say. She did not say if a petitioner has been told by GCG that they are on the list it would be okay to provide the reasoning as to why the petitioner is not an affiliate on the original petition. So, uh, she's saying here that, um, she said that uh, it would be okay that uh, you can put on the original petition why you're not an affiliate. If you want to just give that info right there. The submission of an amended petition after the deficiency notice is not an appeal from denial. It is an interim step the AFMLS and GCG have designed to make the petition approval process move faster and to minimize denied petitions and their subsequent appeal. So, uh, uh, basically saying here that, uh, you know, the whole thing's a process and that uh, you can submit an amended petition after you uh, find out that there's some kind of problem here, and you it, that's not considered an appeal at that point. That's just like it, it's kind of like just your petition is stuck at the moment, it's not being appealed. You're just giving them more information. What I wonder is why don't they give you the information saying, We feel you're an affiliate for this reason, is this true or false? And then you can say back, It's false for such and such reason. Then they, they read it. Why, why do you have to say why you're not an affiliate? It's so stupid, right? It's ridiculous. Number nine. The AFMLS, as stated above, is aware that there are people on the GCG list for being identified as affiliates that are not really affiliates. The AFMLS attorney assured me the government does not want to keep money that belongs to innocent victims. (laughs) (laughs) This attorney understands what a rakeback was. She understands that people were sometimes paid a referral bonus. She said that these are not people that should or will be excluded from the remissions process. What she did not know as of today was what level of the process will deal with the final determination or eligibility for each petitioner. Number 10. She said the GCG should not be telling people they are excluded from submitting a petition. She recommends that everybody that feels they are a victim of the full-tilt poker situation file a petition. She wanted everyone to be. She wanted to make it clear to victims that they do not need a petition and control number to submit a petition. You can do a new one. So, those were the ten points that 1938 Ford wanted to make from his conversation with his attorney at the asset asset forfeiture and money laundering section of the U.S. government. I have. It all, to... it all sounds about right. I mean, doesn't seem like a troll job. There's nothing like. 
that would seem out of the ordinary, and it's pretty much the way I, I would envision the process working, you know, without him putting that information out there. Yeah. For the most part. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely he put out um, the truth there as to what he was told, and it sounds like exactly what they would have told, and in some ways this is good news, that uh, they're aware of the problem with their affiliate exclusions as far as being able to get uh, money, the fact that they know some people are being blamed as affiliates when they're not, that basically they're still trying to refine the process. That's It's good that they're at least acknowledging a problem. Just like they say when you go to AA, the first step is to admit you have a problem, and they've taken that first step at the uh, AFMLS, and that's great. What isn't great is that with all this time, they have not ironed out these problems before the process started. It, it, I mean, the, the whole thing was a mess. You, you went to their website... I'm going to go there right now, in fact. And, like, I remember going to the information section, the facts section, and I could not believe how thin it was. It just gave you, like, nothing. And I'm thinking, these people have no clue what's going on. Yeah, how long did they have to prep for this again since they were picked all the way until September 16th? When were they picked to do this? Because they've had a long time. I think they've had about a year. I don't remember the exact date, but I think about a year. So they frequently ask questions. There's 18 of them up there. Right. And... None of them are very detailed and, and nothing that uh, really gives you all that much useful information. What is this action about? Well, I, I think if, you're, if you are uh, at this site, you know what this action is about. That's a waste of a question. What is Garden City Group? Thanks for telling us about yourselves. What is a petition for remission? How do I get a petition for remission? Where can I file a petition for remission? Like, it's crap like that. So, like, the very, very, very basic stuff up there, but but it doesn't answer the important questions that have been brought up by the community. And you would think they'd like at least run this by a few people in the poker community before putting this up here, so we don't have this problem. But but they don't. They just they just shoot from the hip and hope it turns out okay, and then it's a mess. Right. So that that's what's currently going on there, and I hope we'll have some good news in the coming weeks. And I hope uh, I can get my own situation uh, taken care of. So, uh, something that probably will never be taken care of is lock poker. Unless you say taken care of means uh, gone. That'll happen one day. But in the meantime, they're plodding along and just not paying anyone. You heard last week how Shane, the the former 2 plus 2 rep, and now he's uh, run away from 2 plus 2, and he only posts on Locke's own highly censored forum, but that he quietly offered someone cash-outs once per month if they rake 10 k per month and deposit. So anything to get deposits there. So someone asked on this forum this week, is Locke really as bad as you've been saying, and has it improved? Well, rather than give my opinion on that subject... Let me read you some lovely reports from 2 plus 2 from a thread discussing lock cashouts. The current lock cashout situation. These are posts from the past week. It's a very current stuff. From J94. I waited five months. They turned my Western Union into a check. So he was supposed to get a Western Union and instead they sent him a check. He said it was actually a money order. 
My bank called me twice and said they will have to clear collections. Now, collections is a process when you deposit a check into your bank and they're not sure they'll be able to cash it, so they hold the money until they're 100% sure, until they actually collect the money off that check. It can be as long as 10 weeks. They were very wary that it was a fraud or some sort of scam. Smart bank. Today I find out the check is actually a fraud and no good. The bank was right. Now contacting lock support earlier today, they said they will get me in touch with the cashier department. Knowing them, it will be days before I hear back from the one-man show, a.k.a. Shane. Good luck with that. Five months, they convert his Western Union into a money order, and it turns out the check was a fraud. Unbelievable. (laughs) Next one from Bust Nuts. At least they didn't ban you and not reply to your emails after you tried to cash out like they did me seven to eight months ago. Still haven't heard back from them, and needless to say, my check never came. Good thing it was only for $100. Lock poker is a scam, people. Play elsewhere. Hell, play live poker if you have to. This is from 4K4SH777. So, an update on the check I tried to cancel. This is a third person now. This is not the same same guys I've been reading. After they told me they, uh, quote, mistagged my email. How do you mistag an email? What does that even mean? Sounds like a shame term to me. <laughs> I mistagged your email. Sorry. That's why I haven't been uh, contacting you for a few months. Uh, after an additional three weeks passed, I emailed them asking, how can it possibly be a problem to replace 3K back into my account from a check which never existed in the first place? Finally, they replied. Hello, we sincerely apologize for the delay. Actually, it said we sincerely apologize for the delay. We were waiting our check processor to update us on the status of your check. It has now been returned to your account. Thank you again for your patience. Just logged on to lock and indeed the 3K is there. Well, at least I can try to sell it for like .2 on the dollar or whatever it is now. Good luck to everyone else trying to get money off this site. Not even contemplating playing with the money knowing how worthless it is. Right. So this person like had to bend over backwards for them to cancel a check that was never coming and put the money back in his account and they were stalling, stalling, stalling. Finally they put the money back in his account and he's like, you know what? I, I guess I got what I wanted, but um, now what do I do? I can't yeah. get this money off of here. Here's um, just want to add one thing in. Right now on 2 Plus 2, there's a guy called I Has the Nuts, and he does some pretty good work. He has the cash-out report where people can PM him as long as their cash-out's been waiting for lo- longer than two months, and he, has, um, a f- uh, he uploads them into some file, and then he puts them in... Um, he puts them in a link on here. And right now, Western Union, average wait time is 158 days. Total <laughs> players, 59. Total amount of money waiting to be cashed out, 75K. Uh, checks, average wait, 183 days, 61,000 um, in pending cash outs, 127 checks. And Skrill, which usually takes twenty less than 24 hours to process, 160K, Jeez. average Average wait, 142 days, 107 players total. And, and this goes up by like one or two people every day. Yeah, so. well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to get everything back together and it'll be a healthy site uh, very soon. It's unbelievable. So, uh, and here, here's another quote from that same uh, thread on 2 Plus 2. This is from Stabby McKillyou. Now, 
I hope Stabby McKillyu lives up to his name and, and meets Shane one day. <laughs> Maybe Stabby McKillyu can have a talk with Shane in person. But he wrote, uh, two months of counting on my, quote, verified check. I guess I should have raked 10K the month before I withdrew. Wow. So they said his check is verified, and it's been two months in counting. Yeah, good luck, Stabby. You'll be waiting. Uh, you have some time to practice your stag- stabbing there. I think it won't be coming for uh, the next four months or more. <laughs> That, that's one of the greatest scream names I've ever heard in my life. Stabby <laughs> McKill you. I don't love it. So on the lock thread of all things. You, you, I, I mean, I, I would feel like Stabby McKill you if I was waiting for my money on there. <laughs> so, and and this, this is from the uh, the trading thread on 2 plus 2. Now, the trading thread is for trading all forms of online money, not just uh, lock poker. But um, it seems like a lot of posts on there are about lock because people want to get their money off there. So that same guy from earlier, 4K, 4SH777, the guy who got his 3K back, he right. says, have 3K lock, want Bank of America, willing to sell at 15 cents on a dollar. And just in case you think he's an outlier who's just frustrated, another guy named Shadow Poker, want lock at 15 cents on the dollar, have inner tops, over 10K in trades already in the thread. PM is interested. So he's trying to say, I've done 10K at good trades, and I want 15 cents on the dollar. So so basically, you can get right now 13K worth of lock money from these two guys at 15 cents on the dollar. Wow. Crazy. It's unbelievable. I mean, that is really low. 15 cents. Can you imagine 15 cents on the dollar? Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show. I mean, if Locke had any money, I wouldn't. Why wouldn't they go in there and buy this stuff yeah, up? You know what I really? mean? I, I mean, I would if I were if I were in their shoes right now. I'd be like, "Fuck, give, give me give me a million. You know what I mean? But they just don't. They can't. Have, there's no way they have any money. Yeah, it's I agree. I mean, it's it is crazy. So yeah, like so, if you wanted to buy that 13k for 15 cents on the dollar. You would get it for nineteen hundred and fifty dollars, less than two k. You can get thirteen k. Right. So if you had any belief at all that Lock Poker was going to pay out at some point, that'd be a great thing to do. But you know what? You'd be wasting your money. You'd be throwing nineteen fifty down the toilet because you're never going to get the money. But that just shows you how bad it's getting. I wonder when it's going to get below ten. Yeah, like how how low can it go? <laughs> I mean, like. I'd, I'd imagine like 10% would probably be the lowest, but I wouldn't be surprised if some people started asking for like nickels. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you're convinced you're not going to get anything, if you're right. convinced there it's really done, uh, if you got 10K on there, maybe you'll take 500 at that point. Maybe it's better than nothing. Maybe like, uh, for example, uh, UB money, what would that sell for now? Right. Pro- probably just about zero. <laughs> I mean, Forum, Forum Wars posted in the chat. Do you think anyone will. Still, ever deposits on lock, and the the answer is yes. I mean, card player I think still has lock poker banners up because um, and this was Barry Shulman was confronted about this, and his answer was Jen told me everything was fine, and you know that's one of the biggest poker websites in the world. So you got to assume there's just random people that Google poker or know know what card player is. They don't know about two plus two. There's still people depositing on. Oh there. yeah, and, and you know. But, the card player thing bothers me so much because I used to respect them. I used to read them every week when I used to go to commerce all the time. And, and you know, This is really... I, I know they're struggling nowadays because they don't get the ads that they used to back in the heyday of poker, but they, they didn't have those ads back in the old days either. You know, right. Back before the, the, the TV boom in 2003. And they existed mm-hmm. just fine. 
I, I don't know why they're doing all this crap promoting mock poker because they're you know they're so greedy. And that's the reason why. And I saw Jeff Shulman, who's you know Barry's son, and is uh, very involved in card player. I saw him at a forty eighty game at Bellagio, and I confronted him about it. And I didn't do it in a rude way. I just said, "Hey, Jeff, are you aware of what's going on at Lock Poker?" And he said he wasn't. Then I explained it to him, and he says, "Oh, sounds like full tilt all over again." I said, "Exactly." Just like full tilt all over again. He says, well, I'll look into it. And I knew he wouldn't look into it. Right. I knew he knew the truth. He just, what's he going to say to me? Yeah, we're going to keep running their ads because uh, we know they're crooks, but they pay us? Like, he's not going to say that. But that's the truth. I think he did look into it. He told Barry, and Barry said, Jen said it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Jen's like, oh, no, no, our company's fine. Well, all right, we looked into it. Right. Yeah. So, uh... I actually took Card Player down from Poker Fraud Alert. I used to have a, a feed from them on our uh, poker, one of our forums, like the, the poker discussion section. And I took it down because they were advertising Lock Poker in their feed. And I said, forget that, I'm not going to have Lock Poker advertised on my site. Right. So I took it down. But that's they're not just advertising Lock Poker, they're actually having like... You can go to sections of their site. They say, like, such and such brought to you by Lock Poker. That's, like, their main sponsor. Right. Let's see if I can see anything on the front page. I'm going to go there right now. Cardplayer.com. And, um, yeah, right on the top. A big lock banner right on the top. Right. The big chase. That just shows you. If Lock's still paying them, then that shows you that they're definitely getting signups from card player. Otherwise, Lock would just drop it, kind of like what they did on 2 Plus 2, because they were getting hammered so hard. So, yeah. And then if you scroll down, but you're right there that, uh, you know, this this is where your deposit money is going, to pay card player, not to pay players. Right. Um, scroll down. 2013 Player of the Year, sponsored by Lock Poker. And there's three tabs. There's Player of the Year, Standing on the ground is winning that right now. Then there's Lock Player of the Year. You can click that and you can uh, see who the winner of that is. And then Best Poker Player. I'm not sure. Oh, Lock, Lock Player of the Year. Um, you could make a. You get an 85% discount on your deposit and go for that pretty easily, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. If you want to be Lock Player of the Year, just go to 2 Plus 2. Get <laughs> get your lock money, 15 cents on the dollar, and you could be Lock Player of the Year. Jeez. So, I mean, it's one thing to run ads for them, but here they have the 2013 Player of the Year sponsored by Lock Poker, the Lock Player of the Year, all on cardplayer.com on the front page, and then a big Lock po- Poker ad on the top, and also a sizable one in the middle, and a sizable one on the left, and a, a sizable one on the bottom right, everywhere. Right, so I'm unreal. So, I mean, it's crazy. I still don't get, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, why their pros are still there. They, they pro- Some of them probably have a lot of money in their accounts, and they're hoping, you know, if they do become solvent some way, then, you know, they'll get paid out. But, I mean, what's the difference? If they become solvent and you remove yourself from the site, you'll probably get paid. But I just don't understand how some of these people are sticking, still sticking around. And there's like, there's a lot of them. There's like 30 or so, right? Yeah, I think it's a combination of wanting to get those priority cash-outs again. Maybe if Lock, if lock Poker improves but doesn't become solvent. Uh, and, and number two, wanting to continue having a job and getting paid. So they're hoping that um, if they stick by Lock Poker and then somehow they right the ship, then they'll still be a pro and they'll still get 
paid and, and bought into tournaments and whatever. If they right. if they bail out now, they get nothing. But they should bail out now because what they're doing by being a lock pro is bringing people to lock poker just because their name is being used with con- in conjunction with the site. Even if you're not actively saying come play on lock poker, just the fact that lock poker has you on their website as one of their pros encourages people to play there if they if they right. know you and like you. So it's very bad to do. Right. And on average right now, I think one cash out a week has been going through. On that cash out report I referred to before, it seems like about one person per week posts in there, you know, I got like a $400 Western Union or, you know, something like that. But, you know, only one a week comes off, but like two or three get added. So it just, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what's going on in Lock Poker. I, this this is not on the agenda, but I found it uh, of all things on the card player site. So it led me to a news story I think is interesting. Um, the win is suing a Macau high roller over a gambling debt. Um, a, a guy named Lee Jun, this is in Macau, not at the win in Vegas. Uh, lost 14 million Hong Kong dollars, which is equivalent to 1.81 million U.S. dollars at the Wins Macau Casino. And uh, Macau apparently has been very, very lucrative for uh, the the casinos over there. It's uh, a lot better than Vegas, apparently. There are a lot of crazy, very rich Asian gamblers. And uh, they brought in 38 billion last year. 38 billion in gaming revenue. How much does Las Vegas make? About ten or eleven billion every year. So this is almost four times as much as Vegas is making, which is crazy. You would think Vegas is like much bigger than Macau, which it is. But um, the average bet is much higher in Macau. Right. Uh, and they said that um, the it says lending credit to high rollers or whales, as they're more derogatorily referred to is a common practice for casino firms. In Nevada, millions are written off each year in so-called bad debt, the money the casinos fail to collect from such players. So they, they do give credit at these casinos. If you lose enough money there, you can get a line of credit. And, of course, if you don't pay off that line of credit, you can get in some trouble. Um, but um, How do casinos go about giving you lines of credit? Do they just... Will they just give it to anybody that like they that has, like... A good reputation there, or do they like do background checks or anything? Like, how do you? Yeah, they. If they I do was some playing blackjack, there. you know, and I toasted like five or ten k, and I just asked for credit. Like, how do they determine who gets credit? It's a process. You don't get it immediately. If you if you walk into a casino and, and chunk off money and say I want credit, they'll say we can't do it that quickly. But right. uh, you know, they have to look into you and do a background check and run your credit and all that and see what they feel like giving you. Uh, you, okay. you of course, you, you're supposed to list for them what your assets are, and they kind of just make a best guess as to what you're worth and give you that credit. And sometimes they're wrong, or, or sometimes the people just refuse to pay. And right. um, now, interestingly, last month in Nevada, a, uh, a, f- a former high roller was the first to uh, actually um, take... The, the first time a, um, a gambling debt is uh, going to the Supreme Court... Says a, this is on September 10th, this article. A former high-roller gambler in Las Vegas will have his case heard in front of the Nevada Supreme Court this week. The case, the case stems from him having failing to repay $384,000 worth of gambling debt to four Las Vegas casinos, the Venetian, Palazzo, Hard Rock, and Caesars Palace. 
California businessman Harel Zahavi was convicted in 2011 of defrauding those casinos or passing bad checks. Those crimes were felonies, and he was sentenced to one to four years in prison in addition to fines. However, his defense argued that if the conviction was upheld, it would essentially amount to sending a person to prison for failing to repay debts. You know, there is no debtor's prison in the U.S. You can't, if you, uh, if you just owe someone money, provided you don't um, defraud them, if you just owe them, you can't go to prison for it. In other words, such a verdict creates a debtor's prison, they argued. The prosecution maintained that he committed actual crimes in the process of borrowing and playing with casino credit and then never repaying. He has reportedly paid off previously, previous debts of the casinos over the years of gambling in, in Las Vegas. So, uh, I think it depends on how he got this credit. If he, if he uh, falsified anything, or if he got this credit with the intention not to repay, if he lost... Uh, then it could be considered a criminal act if it's just, uh, or if he just chose not to repay, it could be a criminal act. I would think uh, if it's if it's something where he just uh, was a degenerate and and chunked off all his money and, and owed it and, and, and couldn't repay it, and they gave him too much credit. I think then it it shouldn't be considered a criminal offense at that point. Then it's the casino's fault for giving him too much credit. That's my opinion. Even if you're writing bad checks, I mean, shouldn't they try and cash them or? See if the guy has enough money in his account or whatever. You know, I mean, how many checks did he write before they, you know, said, "Oh, these are bad." You yeah, know? I don't know. It's gonna, there's not detail on that, but right. uh, anyway, that's that's going on there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, resolves itself. So, getting back to the regular agenda we had here, if I could find the regular agenda. I keep accidentally closing the regular agenda. Let me get that back here. Uh, here we are. The Ivy Room at Aria. This is so strange. Um, did you see that picture of the front of the Ivy Room? Yep, AG 400 under the Ivy Room. Yeah, so it's not just called the Ivy Room anymore. This is the high limit room at the Aria in the Poker Room. It now says, the Ivy Room AG400. Two different signs, one under the other. The first sign says, the Ivy Room. The second sign says, in very large print, AG400. And the 400 is actually bigger than the AG, for whatever reason. No explanation what that is, just AG400. Not AD400, like established uh, 400 AD, no. AG400. What the hell could that mean? Andre the Giant? <laughs> yeah, Andre the Giant weighs 400 pounds. Right. I don't know. So uh, people are trying to take a guess what the hell AG stands for. In our thread it says uh, American Greed, Ari Gold. Uh, seriously Serious uh, you know, actually started this thread on 2 Plus 2 and people are posting Alan Greenspan. Uh, Andy Griffith, Ali G. Uh, maybe Tony G, Antonis Guaga. I don't know what the 400 would be, though. It has to be Aria Gaming. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Because, I mean, why would they put someone's initials up there? I mean, it's called the Ivy Room, AG. I mean, it only makes sense to be the property, but what what the fuck is 400? And here's a really weird thing. There is a guitar out there named... The Aria G400. Probably a coincidence, but isn't that weird? Yeah, they're probably going to have concerts in there, right? 
<laughs> Upper section concerts. Yeah, so we're going to have to call them and find this out if we can. See if we can reach someone at the Aria Poker Room. Now, if you remember Colonel Fabersham called before and actually got credit for a free room at the Aria <laughs> after he had trouble parking there. They actually gave him two free nights there that he could never really redeem because that would have required Colonel Fabersham to actually uh, have an ID. And well, be I didn't reversed. know this. When they, they gave the colonel two free rooms? Yes, yes. He had to just show up and show an ID that says Nigel Fabersham. But, <laughs> but unfortunately, he couldn't redeem it. But yes, for his parking problems, they gave him two free nights there. So nice. uh, let's, let's call them up here. If your name is really Nigel Fabersham, you can claim those nights. I presume they're still good. So we're going to call the general information number at the ARIA, ask for the poker room, and go from there. Uh, add the call here. Damn it. Here we go. Well, it's because I called Barcelona last week. I tried to call it somewhere in Spain. So let's try that again. New Skype is crazy. Here we go. Any day now, Skype. Come on. Busy? No. Probably listening to the show when they took the phone off the hook. <laughs> Let me get a different number for them. This phone number's not working here. Aria phone number, Las Vegas. Aria Gaming there. Section 400. Yeah, I got, an, I got another one. Another phone number that's not going to be busy. They're not going to beat me this easily. I'm not going to... This isn't 1975. I don't just give up when the line's busy. Ah, it's now it's trying to now it's trying to call Spain again. Boy, Skype is such a terrible program. Here we go. Thank you for calling the Aria Hotel room reservation. No. Your call may be recorded for quality assurance. Jeez. For the lowest rates on rooms and free service, please visit arialasvegas.com. Please hold while we transfer you to a customer service representative. Because I'm stuck with this. The only other number I have is the busy one. We're experiencing high oh, call geez. volume. Come on. Please remain on the line no. for the next available no. representative. No. Thank you for your patience. Absolutely not. Maybe the poker room has a direct number. Let me see. Room. Thank you for calling Aria oh, Room Reservations. All of our representatives are currently assisting other guests. Uh -huh, I think I have Please remain on the line, and a representative will be with you momentarily. I think I have the number of the poker room. They're not going to defeat me here. Poker room, I'm not speaking. Uh, hello, Colonel Nigel Fabersham here. Um, uh, I was re recently in the uh, Aria poker room, and um, I was going to play at Ivy's room. I was going to take a shot there. You know, I, I, just, I brought some money. I was all ready to go. 
And I saw it just said on the front, the Ivy Room, AG400. And I, I said, mm-hmm. what the bloody hell is this, AG400? And I said, I'm not going to set foot in this establishment until I know who's responsible for this room. I knew Phil Ivy had responsibility there, but, but who is this AG400? And I said, you know, he may be some sort of robot, and I don't want to play against a robot. You know, it's much better than a human being, as I've been told. So who is AG400? Can you please let me know? It's just another high limit player. All right, so AG four hundred. But can you tell me who is it? Um, I don't. Know. Hold on, let me get you the shift manager because I don't know if I'm allowed to say. But you hold know on. who it is. You just cannot say. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. All right. Hold on. You want to talk to the shift manager? Yeah, sure. And this AG, he plays in the room. Now let's get a little bit of an answer here. From Michelin three star chef AG four hundred. Located inside Bar Masa, Tetsu gives you the unique opportunity... Well, at least we have a little bit of information now. It's a high-limit player, A.G. James Beard award-winning chef Don McLean introduces guests to creative American cuisine at his AAA Four Diamond award-winning restaurant, Sage. One of Southern California's hottest destinations. It's probably one of those Asian billionaires. billionaires. Someone's saying in chat, AG stands for absolutely gay. Home-style Mexican <laughs> cooking, featuring grilled seafood, steaks, what about and a selection of vegetarian dishes. Award-winning chef Julian Serrano stretches the boundaries of small plates, introducing you to delectable interpretations. I mean, it's obviously some poker player named AG. Tony G is the only one I know of. Restaurant Julian Serrano. We gotta see about this 400 though. What does that have to do with him? We can connect the name 400 to uh, Tony G. We're in good shape. He's busy right now. If you want to call back. All right. Um. You know, while I was sitting on hold here, I'm, I, I was quickly fast forwarding through my um, episodes of Poker After Dark, and um, I saw Tony G on the screen. Is Tony G AG 400? No. That's not him, all right. Well, so we can cross him off the list. I'm trying to think. I cannot figure out for the life of me who AG400 could be. Are AG actually the individual's initials? It's a, it's an initials, and the 400 is just the buy-in when he plays. It has to be 400,000. Oh, all right. So, so you actually have to buy in 400,000 to that room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I I didn't bring quite enough with me. I only brought... um. I only brought 2,500 with me. I thought that'd be enough. All right. Um, no, 2,500 is not even enough when Phil's in there. No. <laughs> so, so at some point you plays with Phil in the game there. 400,000 buy-in. And, um, so that's... Uh, it's AG is the initials. It's not Tony G. And he actually plays there, though. It's not, they're not just naming it after him. He actually plays in the room. Yes. All right. So to, you're not allowed to tell me? Is that the uh, the verdict? I, I'm, I don't know if I am or if I'm not, but the shift manager's... All right, hold on one second. All right. The most well, we're getting more info. We're slowly dragging it out here. Hello, Saudi. Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabstrom here. Um, I- I've been very curious about this AG400 thing, and I'm trying to um, understand who is AG400. Uh, I'm sorry, I cannot disclose that information. Now, now, his AG himself says he does not want this told to people. Is that, is that the uh, the situation? Like I said, I will not. I cannot disclose this information. All right. So, one final question: If I were to come to the Aria and I were to apply for a job, and I were to get a job in the poker room, would I be able to find out that way? Because I'm willing to do uh, so. No, I, I cannot disclose. You got to get a job first. And then we'll go from there. We'll go from there. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, tally thank up, you. Pip, pip, and let's get on with the bloody thing.
Well, yeah, the shift manager, I, I thought he was not going to disclose much. But uh, the woman below the shift manager, you always have to go for the weak link here. She was definitely the weak link because the shift manager, he feels a responsibility to project a, protect AG400. The woman here, she felt as long as she doesn't say his name, she could give us info that we could kind of piece together and that she still wasn't doing anything wrong. So what we know from this now, and I think this is more than anyone on 2 Plus 2 knows so far, right? is that AG, or the, orig- the actual initials of the player in there, at least as far as she knows, that the 400 is because the buy-in is 400k in the game Ivy plays in, and that he's someone who really does play in the room. He's not just some poker celebrity who lends his name to the room but doesn't really play there. Asian gambler. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. She said uh, I mean, initials. Someone said it was probably one of those Arier um, high limit. You know, those the people that come in from Macau probably. Yeah, yeah, one it could be guys. one of the fish that we we just don't know. In which right. case, we won't know. But uh, all right, we at least have some clues now. At least we can uh, start doing our research of poker players with the initials of AG. I wonder how we'd go about doing that, like with the handed mob, or I'm oh. sure somebody would have got it by now. Yeah, if it was a famous AG high limit player. You know what people could do is, you know, people play at the Aria all the time, especially people listen to this show. They could just look in there and see when AG, like, look at who's playing, and and like look at the initials. So, like, if Doyle's in the game, you go, okay, well, he's DB, that's not AG. And you see Ivy, obviously he's not AG. You like you look at the people at the table when Ivy is playing, and you eliminate all the ones you know are not AG, and then maybe you can figure out who it is, even if you don't like know the guy's name. Maybe you can at least get a picture of him. Right. But apparently he plays there. Alright, I, I wonder why this is a secret. Eh, just because it's, you know, so, somebody's name. They probably don't want to give the name out there to give the guy publicity. Maybe he's a big whale and they don't want to lose his business. Yeah. Someone asking me, do I know any dealers that know Aria dealers? No, I, I don't think I do. I don't think I know any Aria dealers directly or indirectly. I, I wonder if they would know. I wonder how many people know there. Like, this floor woman definitely knew. Uh, the shift manager knew for sure. But, like, I think you don't have to be that high up to know because she knew. And she didn't sound like she was, like, that big of a deal. Call Tom Dewan. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Tom Dewan recently PM'd me on 2 Plus 2. And uh, then when I respond back to him, he didn't. He didn't answer me. He PM'd me out of the blue, and then I respond back to him. He doesn't respond. Pretty typical. So interesting. So, um, speaking of Tom Dwan, have you seen any of these arguments going back and forth with Viffer and the people he's bet against in the Tom Dwan um, Jungle Man Challenge? No, no, I haven't read that. But what's what's going on? I guess Viffer is claiming since Tom hasn't been able to keep up his game because he's been stuck in America and he hasn't been able to get over and, you know, keep his um, game in tip-top shape that all bets should be null and void that he made on the challenge. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. And now he's willing to bet that arbitrators will rule in his favor against anybody for, like, 10, 20K amounts. And, I don't know, the thread's been dragging on for, like, 14 pages since the beginning of September, and he's just going back and forth, and not one person agrees with him, but he, and I think he, he cross-booked a lot of action on it, too, so whatever money was won and lost 
I think he's losing pretty big, and he's just uh, looks like he's trying to find a way to get out of it. Um, but I I can't see how anyone would. He's trying to compare it to if a baseball game got rained out, would there be action? There wouldn't be action, like stuff like that. But this isn't a baseball game, you know. They they can continue it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, check it out whenever you get a chance. It's in the uh, high stakes, no limit form. Yeah, I, I will check that out. So, okay, let's see. We go look at the next uh, next topic here. Why do I keep losing the agenda? I've never lost the agenda so many times in one night. I, I get to like lock the screen where I can't click on anything else. Somehow it just keeps disappearing. All right, so I, I'm satisfied with that call. We we got some more information. I think we can start to uh, peel away the anonymity of AG400. And look, AG400, I'm coming for you. Um, you may think you have a right to anonymity, but you can't plaster your name up there, at least your initials and those and that number. You can't put that on the front of Ivy's room and expect to remain anonymous. That's just it. You want to put your name in gold up there like that and, and just, like, put yourself right under Ivy and just be in our face every time we walk into the, into the Aria. You have to expect that people like me are going to try to find this out. They're very private about a lot of stuff that goes on there, the games and whatever. I mean, you know, if you go in there with enough to buy into a game, even if there's a seat open, they won't let you in, which I yeah, think is yeah. technically... Yeah, I heard about that, yeah, that uh, Greg Merson was unhappy about that. Right. It's technically against the law, but, I mean, I don't understand. If you went in, I mean, the floor people, I mean, I can see the people in the game saying, no, you're not welcome, and then you're like, oh, okay, you leave. But, I mean, what if you put up a stink to the floor person who you're like, hey, there's an open seat, I'm going to sit. I think what happens is they, they, like, convert it to eight-handed games when they don't want to add a ninth person, or they then they'll reopen it if a fish comes to the ninth person, and then they, they don't make the board public, so they claim there's a waiting list and you can't verify if there is or not. There's all these tricks they use to keep people right. out. So it's, it's really, really, really shady. Uh, well, here's something else that's shady. Or someone else that's shady. And uh, Archie Karras has been arrested. A lot of you have... Uh, Heard of him, probably. He is uh, a very famous gambler. He ran up $50 to $40 million at one point in what's known to be the greatest streak in Vegas history, provided this story is true. I had heard about this a long time ago. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. Uh that from 1992, December 1992, when he had 50 bucks, that by the beginning of 1995, he had $40 million. And by the end of 95, he was broke. And uh, he claims to have gambled with more money than anyone else in history. Uh, Here's what they refer to as the run. That was what I just talked about. Not the runs, but the run. Karras drove to Vegas with $50 in his wallet. His initial run lasted for six months, where he turned $50 into $17 million playing poker and pool. I wonder who he beat in poker. Back then. Chip Reese. Was it Chip Reese? I guess he beat all the, a lot of the top players, and uh, most of the matches were versus Chip Reese in um, 
heads up games. I don't know if it was No Limit Hold'em or if it was Variations, but I think a lot of the money was won from Chip Reese. Uh, well, that's, that's, it's good to have you on the phone here. I would not have known that. Uh, after arriving at the Binion's Horseshoe, he started gambling and went on a hot streak. Karras recognized a fellow player from the Los Angeles scene and convinced him to loan him 10000 which Archie quickly turned into 30000 playing 200-400 Raz. Karras returned 20000 to his backer, who was more than content. With a little, a little over 10k in his pocket, Karras began looking for pool action. He found a wealthy and respected pool, poker and pool player. Karras refused to reveal the name of his opponent for the sake of his opponent's reputation. He simply referred to him as Mr. X. They started playing pool at $10,000 a game. After Karras won several hundred thousand dollars, they raised the stakes to 40k a game. Many gamblers and professional poker players watched Archie play with stakes never seen before. Karras ended up winning $1.2 million. He then played Mr. X in poker and won an additional $3 million from him. Karras was willing to gamble everything he made and continued to raise the stakes to a level few dared to play at. With a bankroll of $4 million, Karras gambled his bankroll up to $7 million after spending only three months in Vegas. By now, many poker players had heard of Mr. X's loss to Archie. Only the best players dared to challenge him. Karras sat at the Binion's Horseshoe poker table with five of his $7 million in front of him, waiting for players willing to play for such stakes. He actually sat with $5 million on the table, probably in chips, at at Binion's back in uh, what I assume was 92, or 93 probably. The first challenger was Stu Unger. Stu is backed by Lyle Berman, another professional poker player and business executive who founded, uh, co-founded Grand Casinos. Karras first beat Stu for 500k playing Heads Up Raz. Unger then attempted to play him a seven-card stud, which cost him another 700,000. So Stu Unger immediately lost 1.2 million. And then here we go, China Maniac. The next player was Chip Reese, widely regarded as the greatest cash game player. Reese claims that Karras beat him for more money than anyone else he ever played. After 25 games, Reese was down $2,022,000, playing 8,000-16,000 limit. Karras continued to beat many top players, from Doyle Brunson to Puggy Pearson to Johnny Moss. Many top players would not play him simply because the stakes were too high. The only player to beat Karras during his run was Johnny Chan, who beat him for 900000 after losing to Karras the first two games. By the end of his six-month-long winning streak, I guess the middle of 1993, Karras had amassed more than $17 million. The poker action for Karras had mostly dried up due to his reputation and stakes. He turned to dice rolling for 100000 on one roll. He said he could quickly win $3 million on dice, while it would take him to work, while it would take him days to weeks with poker. He said, with each play I was making million-dollar decisions, I would have played even higher if they'd let me. Transporting money became a hassle for Karras, as he was moving several million dollars in his car every day. He carried a gun with him at all times and would often have his brother and casino security guards escort him. At one point, Karras had won all of Binion's Casino's $5,000 chips, which were the highest denomination chips at the time. By the end of his winning streak, he had a fortune of just over $40 million. By mid-1995, Karras lost all of his money in a period of three weeks. Wow. And then lost the $2 million he lost, that he had won from Chip Reese back to him. <laughs> Following those losses, he switched to Baccarat and lost another $17 million for a total of $30 million. With $12 million left and needing a break from gambling, he returned to Greece. When he came back to Las Vegas, he went back to the horseshoe shooting dice and playing Baccarat at 300000 per bet, and in less than a month, lost all but his last million. With his last million, he went to the Bicycle Club, 
and played Johnny Chan in a $1 million freeze-out event. This time, Chan was also backed by Lyle Berman, and both took turns playing Karras. He preferred playing the both of them instead of just Chan, as he felt Chan was a tougher opponent. Karras won, and doubled his money of... One million dollars. To two million. Uh, only to lose it back in Dice and Baccarat, betting the high limits in the next few days. And after that, he did go on a few smaller streaks. Uh, in 96, he, he turned 40,000 into a million at the Desert Inn, which is now the, the win. And uh, he then went back to the Horseshoe and won an additional $4 million to go up to $5 million in his bankroll, and then lost it all the next day. <laughs> so... It sounds a lot. It's a lot like one of, one of my buddies. I think I mentioned this in chat a few weeks back. He goes to Foxwoods, and I've seen him do like two hundred to five hundred dollar buy-ins and snap them into ten thousand multiple times. Sometimes he'll go a few years without winning, but this past December, I think he bought in with like five hundred, and he won about thirty thirty thousand. He went back like two weeks later, bought in for like another thousand. He he won like another forty. Then he went back again and bought in for like another thousand, and he won like another forty. And then he lost a little bit sports betting. Then he went out to Vegas and won like another forty. So I don't know. He's up somewhere between like hundred and hundred and fifty thousand, just buying in for like thousand dollar shots here and there. Wow, it's <laughs> like the mini uh, carries there. Yeah, and he gets no comps at Foxwoods, but when he goes to Vegas, like the Hard Rock will just throw him like uh, those cabanas and villas and all all kinds of shit. Um, you know, just give him whatever he wants, but he never brings more than a couple thousand with him at a time. But where he loses, he he bets on sports, and that's how he gets crushed. Yeah, usually. So. Yep. Typical leak for a lot of players. Right. So, uh, and by the way, I was reading the Wikipedia. The very last line in the Wikipedia, he was interviewed along with Tony G by Tiffany Michelle during the 2008 World Series of Poker. Now, do you think that was added by a neutral person? <laughs> I guarantee Tiffany Michelle added her that herself. <laughs> he was interviewed along with Tony G by Tiffany Michelle during the 2008 World Series of Poker. Like, why is that noteworthy to put in this? Like, I'm sure he was interviewed by a lot of people during a lot of things during this streak and after the streak and before the streak. Like, why would that be in his Wikipedia? It was interviewed by Tiffany Michelle. Right. I mean, that, that's so that's so so transparent. My goodness, Tiffany Michelle. Have some humility here. Druff, have you ever heard of uh, Kerry Packer? No. He's he's an Australian um, businessman. I actually pulled his page up. He's worth like, I don't know, uh, six, let me see here. What does this say? $6.5 billion And um, he would go to Vegas, and he once won $33 million at the MGM playing blackjack and baccarat. It says... Amazingly, it's said that Packer almost broke the MGM Grand, which resulted in the firing of several prominent employees who let him make huge bets. Was that the MGM Grand, the original one, that is now Bally's, or was that... uh... Um, It just says the MGM Grand. What year was it? Uh, um, Let me see here. It just says on one occasion. So uh, He lost $20 it says here, once at the Bellagio. Um, Another time, $19 at the Ritz Club. 
I guess he just, he didn't care, you know, if he, if he lost, he'd just get up and walk away. He'd never get mad and he, he'd bet like 300,000 a hand. Um, but I guess, you know, he, he, I've heard stories where he's done bigger stuff than this at other casinos around the world. Yeah. I don't think he's alive anymore, but that's pretty crazy to go on a $33 million run at one place playing blackjack and, yeah. you know, almost destroy the entire casino. <laughs> But. That's crazy. One player can do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, by the way, from the chat room from JSTAT, Tiffany Michelle is the Forrest Gump of poker, always at the right place at the right time. So. Okay, so uh, anyway, let's let's get to the current story about Argy Karras. That was all stuff from 18 years ago or more. Right. A professional poker player's luck appears to have run out. I hate lines like that. This is from a Yahoo article. Renowned high roller Archie Karras, 62, is facing charges of burglary, winning by fraudulent means, and cheating after he was caught allegedly marking cards at a blackjack table, according to a San Diego County District Attorney's Office news release. Surveillance footage taken by Barona Casino in Lakeside, California, revealed Karras, whose real name is Anarguros Carambolantius, I can't even say it, um, put a subtle but distinguishable mark on the back of playing cards in July, cheating the casino out of more than... One million dollars. No, no, actually not. Only eight thousand dollars. So he was doing this to cheat them out of eight thousand dollars. I guess he was trying to start another streak or something. That's pretty sad. Not only is he cheating now, but a guy who had forty million dollars... In ninety five. Is now cheating for eight thousand. Right. A guy you never who know. Then, he, he might have cheated to get those initial streaks. That's what I was guessing. I was saying how did the, how do people know he wasn't cheating? Like I, I posted this, people are saying, Well, you know, the casino was watching him. No, most of it was in poker, so the casino wasn't watching him. Uh, who right. knows if he was cheating them then? I'm like he was beating a lot of great players. Yeah, somebody said in one of those threads on two plus two that they were in a Raz tournament with him. The last year or sometime recently, and uh, Huck Seed was at the table, and I guess constantly the cards were coming up mocked, and Huck kept finding them and just throwing them to the dealer, and they just kept having to bring in new decks, and Archie was at the table. So, I mean... Yeah, so who knows? Maybe they just weren't aware enough of his cheating methods back then, and, and he kept beating people through cheating, and they just thought he was a crazy gambler. I mean, I, you have to wonder how someone gets that lucky... Right. Against all these top players, it can happen. But now that this has occurred, I mean, yeah, maybe he's hit rock bottom here and is trying anything to get his money back. Right. But uh, well, you got to remember the surveillance is so much better today. I mean, they can key right in, right down, right on you, and you got to, you know, you got to, you got to think he's being watched every step he takes when he goes into a casino. I mean, back in the nineties, cameras couldn't have been that good, and yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, uh, now someone said in this thread also, if he was cheating, why would he have given him back all the money that he won, you know, by losing it later? But I, I think maybe he was a cheater and a sick gambler. You can be both. Right. So, there's no doubt he's a sick gambler. He's one of the sickest gamblers of all time. But, uh, I mean, this really kind of casts some doubt on the whole thing as to, uh, in my mind, as to this whole streak that occurred. But it's pretty amazing to run up $50 to $40 million, then lose it all, and then somehow run 
a very small amount of money back to five million, and then immediately lose that too. And now, now at age sixty-two in two thousand thirteen, eighteen years later, uh, he's caught cheating for eight thousand. Right. Like think of how little eight thousand was to him when he had forty million. Right. He just must have absolutely zero like regard for money. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, some people just have, some people are just like that. You know. Yeah. So. It's just cra- it's crazy, but I mean, yeah, on a scale of forty million dollars, that's insane. Yeah. So, R.G. Karras uh, definitely has seen better days, and uh, for that matter, Chip Reese has uh, seen better days as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Chip Reese actually ran well. It seemed like like it just seemed like in poker, Chip Reese was just constantly running well, and he even. Uh, um, Won the two million back from Archie Harris, but uh, where it really counted, he didn't run well because the guy died in his early fifties. Right. And uh, yeah, just like Bill Gates, like not Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. I mean, um, even if you do really well in life and you're really successful, and you die in your early fifties, you, you can't really be considered that fortunate. Right. So that's uh, that's a pretty bad beat to die at that age. I agree. All right, so uh, moving along here, a uh, little bit of a lighter note. Vanessa Russo, you know, there's two well-known Vanessas in poker. There's Vanessa Selfst and Vanessa Russo. The one I like better of the two by far is Vanessa Selfst. Now, while I'm not attracted to her, and I, I doubt she's attracted to me either, since she uh, doesn't like guys, but uh, I, I respect Vanessa Selfst, other than having somewhat of a temper sometimes. Uh, she has stood up against uh, sites that have cheated people. She's... Um, I haven't heard of her ever being involved in any kind of scandal or ever really, like, doing anything bad or wrong to anyone. I, I, I've i generally heard good things about her. I've seen good things out of her. The only only bad thing I've seen is, as I've said, uh, occasionally she, she has a little bit of temper. But uh, Vanessa Russo, on the other hand... I've actually watched her... Now, I'm not saying Vanessa Russo is a bad person, like I haven't heard of her being a cheater or anything like that, but I've watched her berate Fish at the World Series of Poker. And I, I was so surprised watching some of this. Not this year, but I, other years I've been there, and she's been like a, another table over. She's never been at my table. But I've seen it like where a fish puts a bad beat on her, she stands up and berates the guy and tells him how awful he is and how stupid he is. And I can't believe this. I, I can't believe it. Like... I never berate, berate anyone for their play when, when I'm playing live poker. But right. I especially don't do it to fish. Right. I, it's just... Uh, the only time I make comments to people playing live poker is when they're pulling some kind of angle shot on me or something like that. Then I'll make mm-hmm. a comment. Or if they make rude comments to me, I'll make rude comments back sometimes. But you know, if, they, if they put a bad beat on me, I just... Uh, I'll show frustration, but I won't insult them or, or say they're fish or anything like that. I, I've seen her go off on just... Uh, and the fish she goes off on, you can tell aren't ones who are overly celebrating or being obnoxious themselves. Like, just like typical middle America 50-year-old guy who's thrilled to be in his only World Series event ever at a 1500. And, and you know, he puts a bad beat on her and she just goes off. So, there's been a lot of stories like that about her. And, and I'm going to read this one from uh, 2 Plus 2, just in case you think maybe she changed. This is from uh, a story from 2013. Now, of course, no verification this is true, but I believe it from everything I, I've heard about her. If she wants to go rap or sing or whatever, go for it. 
Most of the time in this situation, people just waste a lot of their money and time and semi-embarrass themselves before just forgetting the whole thing. A.K.A. Prolot Friedman. I do, however, have some advice for her. And this is from personal experience. Do not mix poker with your music, Vanessa, please. I was at a table with her for about five hours during the $3,000 Six Max No Limit this summer at the, the World Series... And as soon as we sat down, she started singing 90s songs like Early Eminem, Bone Thugs, etc. At first, it was a little amusing, and some fanboys in the area were like, Oh, Vanessa, you're so good, sing this one. Next thing you know, she's fucking singing through every hand for hours. Even the hand she's not in, in a loud voice, all the songs were like 50% too fast as well, and in a high, shrill voice. After about an hour, it was simply annoying and obviously rude of her to continue. At this point, other players made comments to try to let her know she should probably shut the F up, but she just laughed it off and said, Silly me, I forgot my headphones, so I have to sing. Here we were playing in a bracelet event, and she could give a damn that she was rudely interrupting the game with her nonstop rapping and singing. I think she wanted the cameras to come over or something, and she kept looking around, but it was pretty clear in her mind that she was the epicenter of the world, and we were all just watching the famous Vanessa do whatever I want, regardless of how rude and disrespectful it is, poker show. Whatever, she may be a nice person, I don't know, but if it were some run-of-the-mill chick, or any dude for that matter, the floor would have been called over to tell her to shut the F up. I can't tell if her ditzy persona is a front or real, whichever, she either didn't know or didn't care how she acted in front of other players at the World Series. I totally believe the story exactly as this guy wrote it. Do you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's totally her personality. But anyway, this is a, uh, a thing that they did, I think, for Poker Stars. She's a Poker Stars pro. Uh, it's called the bonus cut Vanessa Russo off tour so showing all these close-ups of her right now They're showing uh, what I think is her house, which looks like a nice house in Las Vegas. So I've always really been into music. Even as a poker player, I realized early on that if I'm listening to certain songs, it really didn't matter what kind of bad mood I was in or what beat I had taken, it could turn my whole mood around. And realizing that, just the power that music can have over your emotions, was really the beginning of, uh, I guess, sort of an affair with music. Now, what's weird here... I, have you seen this video yet? Uh, yeah, I did. Her makeup was so tremendously overdone. It was like a... like Think of, like, the super caked-on makeup of, like, the 1980s with, like, the super... Like, the blue eyeshadow and just, like, to totally overdone makeup. And that's what she had going on here. I don't know why. Maybe, like, to, to counter the, the nerds on 2 Plus 2 who say that she's ugly or whatever. But, but like, she was going all out with the makeup here. Like, this is, the like, the super glam job here. Right. I became so fascinated with music that I actually wanted to go beyond just listening to it and learn how to break it down and compose my own songs. I'm sort of a lifelong learner. Before poker, I was a Duke undergrad. I studied game theory and political science, and then I went to law school. And then once I finished and I was traveling playing poker, I kind of missed the classroom setting and constantly learning new things. And I thought, well, hey, why not check out taking online classes in music and did my research and found out Berkeley was like the best school for contemporary music and um, they had an online program. The first program I took was in songwriting and music theory. And I realized 
because when I was submitting my assignments and stuff that I had. There's some person drumming in the background of this video. It looks like it actually looks like Vanessa Selps. It looks like like some butch lesbian drumming in the background. It's really strange. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that watching now, like like it's showing her mixing music, and there's some person like just banging on the drums like their life depends on it. I wonder if uh, she hits clubs and berates the DJs and tells them that, you know, the beats they're playing are so sick. You know, kind of a talent. The other classmates seem to really like my music. People would often say, hey, I could hear that on the radio or something. So it was like the wheels started turning and I was like, maybe I'd like to challenge myself with that. Maybe. It's very challenging to make music. It can take 60 to 180 hours of work to make just one two to three minute song. What? What? I don't believe that. Do you think Vanessa spent 60 to 120 hours per song she made? I I, I guess if you're producing a song that's going to be out in the mass market that requires a whole lot of post-production and just every little thing being perfect, I I guess it could take 60 to 120 hours for a two to three minute song, but when you're just like making tracks at home, you don't take 120 hours. Like there's, there's no way. Also, her hair has her hair has this weird thing, like like sticking up, almost like um, Cameron Diaz's character in something about Mary. Right. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. So after I'd composed about 200 different songs, I realized that I needed a way to play them for people. So next up, DJing. I hired a DJ coach about a year and a half ago. He was a successful DJ here in Vegas. He started teaching me the basics. I was DJing in my bedroom for a really long time. But like at some point you have to actually do this for other people. Um, and it started for me last summer. I had huge 300 to 400 person parties here at my house. This is edited really funny. I had huge 400 people. Like <laughs> It was like they stopped her sentence in the middle of I had and then continued some other sentences about huge 300 people. This is the second time the video has done that too. But, like, at some point, you have to actually do this for other people. Um, and it started for me last summer. I had huge 300 to 400 person parties here at my house, and I would DJ them. And that was, like, my first kind of foray into DJing in public. And then- so, wait, wait, she had it at her house or near her house? She said at her house. How could you fit? I looked at the house. It was It's a big house. It's a nice house. You can't fit 300 people in there. There's no way. Maybe, like, maybe backyard parties. I want to hear this again. Maybe she's in near my house. Yeah, like 400 people. In my bedroom for a really long time. But like at some point you have to actually do this for other people. Um, And it started for me last summer. I had huge 300 to 400 person parties here at my house. I can't tell if it's near my house or here at my house. I think you're right. I think it is here at my house. Right. Some of the backyards there are huge. If she has a big enough house, she might have an enormous backyard where you could have a big barbecue type party you know maybe i would dj them and that was like my first kind of foray into djing in public and then later in the summer i got some gigs actually at some nightclubs i'm looking at this uh the scene here they're showing the pictures of it it doesn't look like it's in a backyard you do not look like it's in a place with like a high ceiling or something like some kind of club or something. I, I don't know. Realize how terrifying it is until you're just about to walk up the stairs to the DJ booth and you're like, Yeah, this is definitely not in that backyard. I'm in a nightclub and the speakers are monster. They're so large and it's like every sound is amplified. And so if you just make the tiniest mistake, it would be like, and everyone would stop and look at the DJ. And so like my heart was pounding out of my chest. 
it was way more scary than anything I've ever had to do in poker. Because you have like hundreds and hundreds of people all enjoying something that you're controlling. It's a lot of pressure. But then once I got up there, my personality kind of took over and I was just comfortable in the spotlight and, and did it and was cool with it. And yeah, I just kind of got into my element. One of my friends was playing her one of my songs because I, I pretty much bombard everyone in my life with my songs every time I come out with a new one. And she was like, you know what? You should be my friend Lisa. Do you think the background music was composed by her or is that just separate uh, homemade music? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's her. I think it's just... It could be hers, but I would guess it's not. And that's the one thing I didn't like about this video is they didn't, you know, it wasn't like she was like, oh, here, listen, this is my stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, she's just talking about it. Like, oh, I, I did all this DJ and I made these tracks and uh, I'm not going to play any for you. Just just take my word for it. It was great. Right. Even though it's a seven minute video, we can't take any time to play any of the tracks. Right. Lisa Pittman is a very successful DJ in general and one of the most successful female. Oh, that's that's a lesbian, Lisa Pittman or whatever. That's a, that's who was like banging on the drums real hard. Jazz, especially here in Vegas. Then I actually just randomly contacted her through Facebook. I was like, hey, you know, I've heard some of your songs on SoundCloud and it's going to seem really random. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if Lisa Pittman agreed to do this because she heard like Vanessa, the famous poker player, was contacting her and she thought it was Vanessa Selfs. <laughs> she's like hey I've always had a crush on her maybe I've got a chance with her she's like, oh you're the other Vanessa you're the straight Vanessa with that yeah, that Chad guy yeah well I guess I already said yes right poker player but I'm also like part time DJ and uh, I would love to like meet up sometime and maybe learn a thing or two from you or maybe you play poker and I could trade poker lessons or something when Vanessa oh. first contacted me, I was like, oh, I don't know. What is oh, it? I, it sounds like I'm right. Sounds like she she wasn't sure about it. Right. This girl, what does she want? What is she doing? Because she just wrote this long email. Da, 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 like, we're going to do this. And, you know, knowing her now, she's so hyper and off the wall, super creative, super intelligent. We want to be around her. But I- That's funny. She wrote her a long email saying, da, 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 we're going to do this. And the girl's like, what? Like what? Where? <laughs> she's like, wait a minute. Where's the hello? Nice to meet you. Hey, do you have any time for me here? Right. Like, hey, you know, what do you think of this idea? Not like, okay, okay, Lisa. Here's your plan. This is what you're going to be doing with your life for the next month. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on with this, right? But we had a mutual friend, and so she connected us. And then the more we worked together, it just worked out. I learn something new every time I work with her. I mean, she's been doing this for 13 years, and she has a really intuitive nature. Start to touch the dome. Have an idea. Touch the dome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think that Lisa did that. I... <laughs> what kind of advice is she giving her here? This is calm. Both of our brains work really fast, and whenever you watch us working in the studio, it'll be like bam, 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 bam like ideas back and forth. We're both really into the idea of innovating in terms of performance. She's actually interested in drumming live to the beat of the songs that we're playing. And so we want to surprise people. Ah, that's the drumming. Okay. And we're just right now in, in the infancy of this whole project. So there's more coming. Just in the infancy. More to come. So for now, it's just figuring out how to get this person who's a turntablist and someone who's an electronic music specialist together on stage performing. How's that? We're going to be looking to do and promote probably 
six to ten major parties uh, over the course of the year. I don't know, major parties? So, okay, you're having a major party in Las Vegas, and you can pick any DJ to run the thing. Do you pick Vanessa Russo? Do you ever pick Vanessa Russo, or do you pick someone who is a known DJ in Vegas that uh, has a good reputation, that's experienced? Like, why would you ever pick Vanessa Russo, who's doing this as a hobby? Right. Like, where's she getting these jobs? Is she is she buying her way into these jobs? She's saying, here, instead of instead of paying me to DJ your party, I will pay you. Right. Maybe that's how she. I, I'm ser- I'm not even joking here. Like, how else do you just insert yourself there? I, I don't think she's famous enough. It's it's not like some really famous person right. is, is becoming a DJ and everybody would want them just because of their big name. Vanessa Russo is poker famous, but but right. like she's not famous enough to where people are going to want her as a DJ just because she's Vanessa Russo. So yeah, I, she's, a, she's basically, it seems, a watered-down poker pro who's just been latching on to her poker star's pro deal. I don't even know. Does she play a lot of poker still? I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know she had a good, a few good scores uh, online, and she had one big win at the WPT. Like, she's had some big hits. I don't know how many buy-ins she's put into the whole thing. But, uh, you right. know, even if she's a winner as far as tournament poker... Uh, she's still not very famous. Yeah. Right. When you're DJing... People don't realize just how tough it is, and there's a little art to it. It's not like you just push play on a bunch of songs. It's not like that at all. A lot like reading people at the poker table, you have to read the dance floor in the crowd. Because the thing is, you want to build towards something. I hate when people do that. I hate when they say they compare something to poker that has nothing to do with poker. Right. You know, going to the bathroom is a lot like the poker table because you know uh, you, <laughs> you you sit down on you sit down on a toilet when you go to the bathroom, and you sit down on a chair when you play poker. And, and there's moments when you're really tense when you're going to the bathroom, and you're also really tense when you play poker. And then there's a the moment when you feel relief at a poker table and, and also in the bathroom. Like, come on! <laughs> you build up that expectation on the dance floor, then you have to meet that expectation. You have to have that big crescendo, and then you have to have kind of the break. you got to give people a second to enjoy the crescendo for a minute before you then build it up again. And working with someone like Lisa, she really has developed an expertise into the art of DJing and just teaches me all kinds of things. The thing about music is you're actually connecting with people and making them feel positive emotions really? in a very different way from the way that I interact with people at the poker table. And it was kind of... Yeah, like- that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no question about that one. I'm not going to argue that one for a second. You definitely make people feel different when you're playing music than when you, Vanessa, play with them at the World Series. Right, and and also and definitely different than when you uh, make music at the World Series. It's a missing link for me. It was like your soul kind of like has the need to connect with other people, and and I love poker and I'm appreciative that that's the way that I make my living. But I was lacking that that connecting with other people, and people really seem to like it. I mean, if, I think I didn't do that stuff or something. I definitely would have reconsidered, but it has not happened. Knock on wood yet. Everyone's always really shocked. They're like, Vanessa, you DJ what? And it's, yeah, because I haven't really publicized it yet, at least. Uh, but hopefully by this time next year, um, everyone's looking back and they're like, oh yeah, Vanessa, poker player, and also a really awesome DJ. What are the odds that people are going to look back a year from now and say that? <laughs> what are the odds of that? I think I know those odds. You know what those odds are? I would say those odds are zero point zero. Yeah. 
So that's Vanessa Selps, not Vanessa Russo's new hobby, maybe her new uh, second career that she'll probably have to pay for. And uh, here, here's a little bit of music. This is from a SoundCloud account she has, and uh, this is "We Mustn't Outdo Ourselves" from the house category. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's like I don't know, five minutes. I'll play like a few seconds. I, I have good news though. What the hell? I You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of na 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 19 <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? That's, that's just like it. Very that I want to hear. I want to hear na 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 19 Let's, let's hear They fought the longest war in American history. They fought the longest war in American history. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war. But it wasn't. It was different in many ways. And so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. Extended mix. I'm not going to play any more of it. But. <laughs> this is "We Mustn't Outdo Ourselves" by uh, Vanessa Russo. We mustn't outdo ourselves. And uh, it has three followers on the SoundCloud page. Omir Mirza, The Drug, and Ali Islami. <laughs> I tell you something about Ali Islami. This guy, this guy, like, attaches himself to every girl in poker. It's amazing. Like, I remember he used to call Genocide all the time. Like, Genocide told me, like, Ali's constantly calling me. Like, she talked to him. He wasn't harassing her. They were friends, but like Ali is just always there, right? In- involving uh, any female poker player who's like remotely attractive. The guy's like, he he just uh, he doesn't miss a beat with that. So who's this? This is Ali Islami. Okay. Yeah. 
No, he's, he's a cash player. He, I haven't seen him around in a while. He's a good player. I've known him for a commerce long time. Commerce player, right? Yeah, he's a commerce player, yeah. Yeah, I think I remember Neverwin talking about yeah, him yeah, a lot. He, yeah, he, he, yeah, right. Yeah, he knew. Uh, we even pranked him once on uh, Neverwin Poker Radio. Right. We actually pranked him at Commerce. I just, I just thought it was funny of, like, three followers, one has to be Ali Islami. Like, if somebody asked me, like, what male follower you think of, like, a somewhat known poker player you think would be there, I would say Ali Islami, without even looking. Right. So, all right, uh, moving along to the agenda that I have, again, lost for, like, the eighth time tonight. Don't I don't know how this is happening. I really don't know where it's been going. Every time I look for the agenda, it's just gone. 888 Poker. Um, some of you may have gone uh, camping this summer, and that's fine, but uh, as long as you didn't go table camping, then 888 is fine with you. Uh, table camping is the practice of sitting out at tables with the intention of getting a disproportionate number of free hands. You might say, how could you do that? If you're sitting out and you sit back in, you have an option to either post the dead blinds or wait for your big blind. How could sitting out possibly get you extra hands? I'll tell you how. The uh, the scumbag angle shooters at 88 have figured out a way to do it. And I remember people at PokerStars did this and probably still do it. What you do is you sit out at active tables. So you watch people play and you sit out at a game and you wait until the action breaks. You wait until someone has to go to the bathroom and everyone sits out or whatever. You wait until everyone's sitting out and there's no more action. Then, as soon as everybody sits back in, as soon as the game is ready to go again, you quickly hit sit in, and you sit in just at the right moment. Not even just at the right moment. You just have to sit in before they uh, are about to deal the first hand again. Well... Live, this doesn't work, because live, they say this is the same game and continue it from the same spot. But online, it continues it as a new game. So it starts over, and at that point, you can get free hands. Because it's as if everyone just sat at the table for the first time. So what happens there is you have one person who's the button, one who's the small blind, one who's the big blind, everybody else free hands too. The only people who pay for the hands there are the small and big. Now, if you've already been playing, that doesn't really matter. Even if it's a bit inequitable, you uh, at least you've already been playing. But what people do here on 888 is they sit and wait until this opportunity comes up, and then will play their free hands and quit. So they will absolutely never have to pay a blind. And if they happen to get the big blind in this scenario, they, they just don't post it. Right. So some people do this to never pay blinds, and some people do it to just... Uh, get an edge, and you know, even though they're going to go on playing, they do this to where they always start out with the number of free hands. Right. So, so you, you you can't do that on poker stars, though. I know you mentioned people oh, try really? to do it there, because if you're at a six max or a ring table, only if it's full of players, if like let's say the fish sits out and everybody sits out, it, now on poker stars it kicks every player off the table. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. So, yeah, so 888 took a different approach. And they said, we're not allowing this anymore. They said, we reserve the right at our discretion to take action against players sitting out for excessive periods of time, 
repeated abusers of the sit-out feature may be restricted from participating in our poker games either temporarily or indefinitely. So they're just saying, if if it seems like you're, you're table camping here, we're just going to suspend you. So don't do it. That's what they're telling you. They're saying, we're not putting any additional measures in the software to stop it, but if we catch you, you may get suspended. So right. I, I think that's great. I think any action against this table camping or any other kind of online poker angle shooting is great right. because uh, um, it's cheating. It's cheating yeah. when people uh, find a way to get free hands and never pay blinds. Yeah, that's what um, that's what the guy Jama Dahmer was doing on Stars. He was sitting up as high as like one thousand, two thousand limit hold'em. But what he would do is on slow days he would sit at ten twenty. And there's two seats on stars, I think. If you sit there, you automatically get the button. So oh, do yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He would just sit in those seats, get the button, and then the table would always fill, but by the time it came back to his blind, and then he would just sit out, and he would just start a new table and just do it over and over and over again. <laughs> and eventually, eventually, you know, people just kept complaining because there's so many people angle shooting with all this stuff now that, um, you know, they gave him a warning, then they banned him, and now I guess he's back there. He must have came, you know, some kind of agreement with him that he wouldn't do it anymore. But I think now their rule is you must play, like, at least two or three orbits. There's no minimum requirement. But if they see you're abusing it, then, you know, it's the same thing as 888. They'll, they reserve the right to, you know, just tell you, you know, you're done here. Yeah, so. I remember that whole thing with the the button on the certain seats on stars when there would be fish that would be jumping from table to table and people would follow them. And it was right. the question of, do you try to get position on the fish, or do you try to get the button every time? And yeah, people started determining that the button was actually better, because the fish, fish wouldn't stay mm-hmm. along, around long enough to where the position is worth it. I'd still take the, fish, the seat next to the fish, just because if he does stay, then, you know, you have the best seat. That's what I was on. doing, and I, I wasn't ever sure if I was right. People, people were insisting that the button was better, because the fish was not staying, it was definitely jumping around. So it's, it would be an interesting study. But I, I was just going for the traditional method of just trying to take yeah. position on the fish. I think T. Piranha broke the math down somehow, and it's way more profitable to have the seat next to the fish than to get, you know, the free button or so. I mean, that's obviously good in itself too. But you're not you're not gonna, um, you know, you're gonna be you're not gonna have good position, and you're gonna be in a lot of pots against, you know, other pros, which obviously isn't what you're looking for. Um, but the the only way taking that button seat is good is if you're planning on just leaving the game within a couple of orbits, you yeah. know, because that that adds up to tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars over a long period of time. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, um, yeah, bad guy. He he may call in at the end of the show and tell his big news, and he may not. He's still deciding right now. He's uh, uh he's he's currently in the chat, just uh, blowing it up, but. Uh, so that's that's what's happening with 888, and um, as you guys probably know, they're also the partners with Caesars to provide uh, WSOP.com, and um, also they'll be running the Win Poker Room th- through Caesars in New Jersey, which is crazy. <laughs> that, that's totally crazy. Right. So um, I, I guess we're we're near the end here. Uh, unless somebody would like to suggest uh, another topic, or if you'd like to ask some questions in the chat room, or call in seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You can also call the Mount Charleston line seven zero two. 
702-430-1808. And uh, Bad Guy, if you want to call in, this is the time to do it, because uh, if you do not hurry up, then uh, the show may end. Someone asking in chat, why have you not confirmed your Twitter account? I don't know what he means by confirmed. If he means verified, I don't think I can get a verified account because I'm not followed enough. I think you only get that when... Uh, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but uh, I think you only get verified where you're big enough to where people would imitate you and uh, they find it worth verifying you. But I'm, I'm nowhere near that. I don't think I ever will be. Um, so that's why I'm not verified there. Um... Oh, this is interesting. I, I I don't know if this is a joke or something. If it's a joke, I don't get it. Breaking news: Beer and Poker predicts AG stands for Anthony Gregg. Do you know who Anthony Gregg is? I think someone posted he won the one drop or something. Hmm. So I mean, it's okay. a good possibility if it was you know high limit player that's playing a hundred k event, you know. Yeah, a lot of the guys that play in that one-drop event play those bigger games at the Aria, so very possible. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, there there couldn't be that many people with the names, initials AG. Of course, as you said, it could be just some Macau-type player, and we'll never get that. But uh, mm. if Anthony Gregg does play there regularly in the big game, I think that's probably who it is. Yeah, maybe it's like... Maybe if there's another game going and he shows up, maybe, you know, the game has to go to the lower section if you don't have that 400 for the 400K buy-in to play in the room or something like that. I don't know. Okay, so here's another uh, update here. Just looking at my Twitter, this was uh, retweeted by Andrew Feldman of ESPN. Uh, this is the, the reporter Andrew Feldman, not the poker player Andrew Feldman. Uh, he's like in charge of the ESPN poker section. Um, a new Brett Ritchie rap de- debuts tonight, and a link to it. This is a rap called Ten Deuce Offsuit." I did it. I don't want to watch this commercial. I climbed this mountain. Here. I can't. I can't close it either. Can you believe this? Name a Geico. All right. Oh, I got a Geico story in a minute. Okay. Run car insurance. No commercials in the show without paying. Main event, Richie Main. You can take a picture. In the next show I do, I'm going to charge at least 50 grand. Ten deuce. Off suits. Under the gun. I raise. Who are you? You look confused. You wonder how I do it. You bet I raise you, calling you look stupid, man. I really put you through with looking foolish on TV. Can put me on a hand, call it ingenuity. Or call me Doyle Brunson, man. I call you Herman Munstein. The next part we play, that's the end of discussion, man. You can change the subject, yeah. You can press your luck, kid. Got a flight to catch, hope you brought your luggage, man. I'm Chris Money, making main 10 years in the game. You can talk about me, knock you out, and I still shake your hand, man. Greg Mercer. No mercy on opponents is the rule. Greg Ritchie in the building. Ten deuce off suit. Ten deuce off suit. Under the gun. Greg Ritchie coming through. 
Can do. Can do. I'll silk. Smile for the camera, baby. You know how I do. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that uh, Brett Ritchie is returning to his roots and uh, doing poker rap. This is actually going to be on uh, ESPN. I guess he was at the feature table and uh, um, raised under the gun with Tendu's offsuit. And, uh, you know, it's funny in this video, you can't see this on the radio, but he had a neck beard going on. Right. I don't get the neck beard. It wasn't a good look for him. So I actually I actually thought that rap was okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was, too. Yeah, everything went together pretty good, and I don't know, he, he sounded like he put a little work into it, and it sounded good. Yeah, I, I actually criticized his last thing, where he, he was trying to create like some sort of, uh, some kind of rap war with another rapper, and it just right. sounded stupid, and it was like a different voice of, than his normal voice, but this, uh, this is back to the uh, Brett Ritchie roots. I, I actually didn't find myself wanting to turn that off, which is good. Right. Like, whenever I watch one of these poker videos, and I don't feel like, when's this going to be over... Can I just close this now? When I I don't feel that way, then then it's okay. So, um, so here's something from the chat from uh, um, PLOL. Druff says the GCG says they sent 1.4 million emails to potentially eligible full tilt customers and have received about 23.5 thousand filed petitions. Maybe that's where the 1.4 number came from. Maybe uh, maybe it wasn't 1.4 percent. I, I don't know. That that's where I led I led the show off. With yeah, that. I know, I know. It's, uh, somehow I got one point four in my head. So let's see, what what is that percentage? Twenty three five divided by one point four million is no, it's one point seven percent. It's not much better. Right. <laughs> I, I, mean, I knew it was so something many, like that. So many of those one point four million accounts, though, have to have like twenty eight cents or fifty two cents. You know, just stuff like that. I mean, it would obviously add up to a lot, but. I'd have to think, you know, how many people through the poker boom deposited, busted, but didn't have enough to buy into another game. Yeah, but had pennies, yeah, right. Yeah, 26 cents or whatever. It would be interesting to hear how many of them were under a dollar. Right. Or how many of them were under $30. I'm sure there's a ton. Um, Because I think somebody reported, either Diamond Flush or Noah reported that, like, 95% 95% of the balances, 95% of the 150 million or something like that was like 5% of the accounts or something, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. By the way, anyone uh, who's listening live, the Pirates are moving on. They're going to be playing the Cardinals. So that's the end of the Reds. The Pirates but, have done it. For congratulations now. to the Pirates. They got a little series coming up here. They got a really good team. I give them a pretty good shot to get out of that series. You know they 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 added some players. They really uh, that so far worked out. Like like Marlon Bird. That right. was uh, I mean Morneau hasn't done very much, but you know, it was still a good add there late in the season. And uh, yeah, they it, got McCutcheon at the top of the lineup or whatever wherever he hits. Um, I mean he's outstanding. Uh, that what's their third baseman's name? Pedro Alvarez or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think he was like second in the league in home runs, so they got some guys that can hit. They got some good pitching too. Yeah, and uh, you know if they play the Dodgers, the Dodgers managed to beat the Braves, and the Pirates then uh, beat the Cardinals. And while I would much rather see the Dodgers face the Pirates than the Cardinals, first of all, the Dodgers just killed the Pirates over the last twenty years. They just killed them. Even this year, they swept them early in the season, and that's when the Dodgers sucked. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Now, I will say, though, there's one player on the Pirates who just destroys the Dodgers, and that's Marlon Byrd. And he wasn't on the Pirates uh, when they played them earlier. But I, I just... Every time that guy comes up against the Dodgers, he kills them. Including this year. So right. they'll be happy to have him, especially if they face the Dodgers in the NLCS. But the Dodgers have to get past the Braves first. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've had such a hard time getting the seats I wanted. I'm so picky with seats. I, I, I've gotten more and more picky with seats over the years. Every passing year, I want to sit in a better seat. Every passing year, I look at the previous year's seats and say, oh, they sucked. I want to do better than that. And then the problem is I do better than that, like during the regular season, and then I don't want to go back to the seats I used to sit to in the playoffs. Right. And then the whole thing gets really expensive. And uh, right. like, like a long time ago, I used to sit up like in the blue reserve section, like, like way up high in, in the Dodgers. And then... Uh, uh, then I went to the load section. I'm like, oh, that wow, this is so good. And then I moved to the field section. Oh, this is so good. Then I moved field section behind the dugout, but like pretty far back. Then I moved like the middle of the field section behind the dugout. Then I'm like, right. like, like eight rows behind. Now, now I want to be like three rows behind. Like I just get, at some point I got to stop this. But uh, what what sucked is there was this set of tickets in row C behind right. the visitor, visitors dugout, and this right. whoever was selling them got frustrated that nobody was buying them, so he dropped the price abruptly, like, really fast, and I saw it, and I hit buy, and while I was entering my info, someone else grabbed it. Wow. So it pissed me off. Yeah, how does that work with those brokers? Buy all those seats, and then you have to buy them at markup, usually? It's it's a lot of things. It's on StubHub. And a StubHub, right. the thing with Stub, good about StubHub is since it's not a, a ticket broker, um, it's just the... People setting them, it's individuals selling them. Some are brokers selling them through StubHub, but a lot of them are individuals selling them through StubHub and just paying the fees. Right. And uh, you get soaked with fees. You do get time. soaked I with bought, fees. I mean, I bought tickets on there once that were a little bit marked up, and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good deal. And then all of a sudden, the final tally came up, and I felt like, wow, I might have gotten screwed there. Yeah, so now they don't do that anymore. Now they show you the entire price, though it's okay. still the same. They charge the same fees, it's just, they show you now. But, okay, so if I go on there now and it's listed at, let's say, 84, that's what it is? That's what you pay, yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so so uh, the thing is the markup is still very big. It's 15% that the seller has to pay and the buyer has to pay 10%. Right. So uh, they're taking 25% of every purchase, which is crazy. Uh, but I, I've watched my, – my strategy has always been to wait till the day of the game and then wait for someone to be desperate – and then sell really cheap. And I've done very well that way, but the problem here is this time the tickets are getting snapped up to where there just right. aren't that many, and I'm yeah, afraid if want, there aren't that many, then this won't happen. Yeah, you want to just get them for something like this. I actually had something weird happen the other day that I didn't think was not not possible, but I've never seen before. So I was looking at Celtics tickets for this season, and I was checking most of the games. All the tickets were the same. They sold out the first Heat game, but then they play the Heat sometime in, like, April, May at home in uh, 2014. So I looked at these tickets, and this is through the, through Ticketmaster, too, and the, the Heat tickets are, like, double and triple the prices every other game. Now, do teams usually do this where they mark up individual games over You're, you're other saying, games? is this on StubHub, or is this uh, just... No, 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 this is straight through the Celtics oh, website. Wow. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it goes to Ticketmaster. I was under the impression usually every game's the same for like wow. major sports teams, but they were like double and triple for maybe, some of the maybe, seats. Maybe they've come up with the uh, realization that everyone wants to go to those games. They're just going to charge more for them. I, I guess they yeah. can. Yeah, they know they're going to sell out for yeah. sure. So, like, I saw that. I wonder if the Dodgers do this too because 
when the Red Sox came to play the Dodgers, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll go see that. And then that was this year. And boy, were the prices high. It was like a playoff game. Right. So I'm like, oh, screw this. I'm not going to a regular season game uh, and paying these prices. So I, I went the next right. week. Yeah. But I, uh... I, I thought maybe it was just people selling them for a lot of money on StubHub. Maybe the Dodgers were charging more in the first place. Well, there's a lot of a lot of Red Sox fans all over, so yeah. those games, especially people that re- relocate to California and stuff like that. So if they get a chance, you know, yeah, of course the seats will go up a little bit. Um, but oh yeah, I, I have that this Geico story from today. Oh yeah, yeah, let's so, hear the Geico story. So my insurance is running up like at the end of October, and I I I got um. I think I have a couple speeding tickets and an accident that I got in last week. And uh, my brother told my brother was my insurance agent at my other insurance, the insurance agency I'm using now. So I asked him, I said, give me an estimate roughly of what my insurance is going to go to. So it went from like 1300 to 1800. Is this for a year or uh, or six months? This is for a year. Okay. So it would go from like 1300 to 1800. And that's with just minimum coverage because it's an old, older car. But, all the premiums, you know, they they were decently high. I didn't really look into any of that shit. So I called Geico and um just just to see, just to get a quote. And this guy was just flying, talking this and that, blah 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 blah. And he got it down to like twelve hundred from like eighteen hundred or something like that. And then I was like, all right, that's pretty good. So I just went with it, and he gave me a discount for paying it all. Paying actually, he cut it to like a six monther. So I just paid the whole thing off today. I called my brother, and he's like, he, he asked me to uh, go on the website and explain, you know, read down what I was covered for. And basically, it just seems like they're not a scam, but most of the time they'll just drop all your shit down to, like, bare minimum. And that's a lot of the way that you save your 15%. That's interesting. So, hmm. Yeah, now I'm actually very familiar with all the uh, insurance stuff. So I, I, when I call up insurance places, I know exactly what I'm asking for. But I'll give everyone a tip here as far as saving money on insurance. Don't stay with the same company. Uh, every year, look up for a new company, and uh, you know, see. And if your rates stay the same, don't think that's good, because your car gets older, and as your car gets older the cost to replace it goes down because your car is worth less. Every year a car ages, it's worth less. So when you're paying for collision coverage, collision coverage is where they replace your car or fix your car if it gets damaged in an accident and it's your fault. Um, Your collision coverage price should go down with every passing year because your car is worth less. Right. So if you total your car, you won't get as much if your car is a year old than than or if your car is... If your car's five years old, you're going to get le- much less than if your car's one year old. So you shouldn't be paying the same collision rate when your car is five years old versus one year old dealing with the same car. So right. what I find is they don't ever drop my rates for this reason. They just either keep me the same or actually raise me. And right. when I bring this up to them, I, I get all these excuses. Oh, the uh, the industry, everything's going up. Uh, we have other expenses, um, blah, blah, blah. It's always different excuses I'm getting. But then I call up a different insurance company, and they can give me a better rate. And right. the funny thing is, when that insurance company, my new one, raises me the next year, I go back to my original one, and suddenly their rates are lower. So had I not moved, I would have a higher rate at the same company. So let's right. say company A raises my rates, I quit them and go to company B, and then company B raises my rates the next year, 
I quit them and go back to company A. Now I'm back with company A where I was in the first place, and yet my rates are much lower than had I stayed the same place the whole time. Do they go down every time you switch, pretty much? Um, yes, if you if you shop around. They won't automatically right. go down simply by switching, but you can right. usually find a company that is cheaper than your current company, even if it's right. a company you just had before that was too expensive. Right. And, and um, you know, they, they will try to lie to you about this. They'll try to insist to you that this is not true. They'll try to insist to you that their coverage is better. And it, it is true some companies are better than others, and that should be considered, too, in, in choosing what companies you, you want to insure you. But there is no reward for loyalty in auto insurance. In fact, it's the opposite. You get penalized for loyalty. And right. they, they will never admit this to you, but it's the truth, and I've observed this, buying insurance for more than 20 years. And, right. and I can tell you this. And, and every time I switch and I, I speak to the agent, because like, whatever agent I get it through often does not represent the other company I switch to. So they get really frustrated. They're not going to make the commission. And, and they give me a hard time and, and tell me, you know, badmouth the other company I'm going to switch to. Or, 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 you know, and I say, look, I know the game. I know how right. it works. If I stay with you, my rate keeps going up. Right. I, and I say, explain my why, why my collision is actually higher now than it was last year if my car is a year older and worth less. And they say, right. oh, well, the parts for your car may have gone up. I'm like, no, this is BS, because if I total my car, which is usually when you get in an accident, it's either fix the car, like some kind of, usually, it's usually like body damage. Sometimes it's mechanical damage. Usually it's body damage they're fixing or totaling the car. Totaling the car is not very hard to do. And right. uh, especially if it's, a, if it's a cheaper car, especially. Uh, more expensive cars, you know, it's considered total when it's get more money to fix than it is to buy a new car. But what they will pay for is what your car is worth at the moment it was crashed, not right. what you bought it for originally. So I say, look, if my car is worth a lot less than it was a few years ago, I should be paying less for a collision than a few years ago. And, right. and, and so what happened here is a lot of these companies realized that, that they were doing something stupid. They used to lower people's rates, the collision part of it, for that reason. And then they realize that lowering people's rates is stupid because human nature is to be okay with something you're used to. So if you're used to paying a certain amount per month right. or per six months and you get a bill for the same thing, you say, okay, that's what I'm used to paying. You get right. a bill for less, you're happy, but you don't expect it. So if you're willing to pay the same, why would you ever bill a customer for less if they're willing to pay the same as they were before? So that right. was the, that, that, that's, what the, that's the pattern they get into. And then if a customer realizes this and calls and complains, they don't adjust it. That's just the way they're doing things. So the only way out of it is to switch away from them and switch back. So I think when you called Geico, that was actually a form of, uh, of this here. Except, uh, yes, they did probably find a way to save money by lowering coverage. That's and, exactly what they did. And, 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 yeah, and that's not really saving money. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I talked to the guy, he was like, I was like, well, what would you recommend? And he's like, I just recommend whatever you can afford. And I'm like, okay, so he like just ran down, boom, boom, you should go with this, that, that, that. I'm like, all right, fine. So he gave me the rate, I paid for it, then I called my brother, and my brother was like, pull the page up, and it turned out like my collision was like, uh, or, uh, you know, if I damaged another car, it was like five grand, and I would have to pay everything else out of my own pocket. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I just went on the Geico website, just added everything that I had on my old policy, and it turned up to be the like slightly more than what I was would have been paying had I stuck with the other company. Yeah, I would I would shop. I mean, 
I believe you can even cancel, and it may be paying the ass right. at this point, but uh, um, I would shop around, especially if the policy hasn't actually started yet, if it's for the future. Right. Uh, look at eAssurance and some other ones. And, uh, you know, some companies are definitely better than others as far as paying out. Some pay out very easily when you need a claim, and some drag their... When I say drag their feet, they, they try to find ways out of paying you. And, and that's something to consider when you get insurance um, that, um, you know... They're not all created equal, but at the same time, right. you shouldn't pay way, way more right. for any insurance than any other insurance. It just that's just not worth it. Right. And um, so that, that's that's my advice with auto insurance. And and as far as what level you should get, it depends what um, it, it depends what your assets are. Right. Because um, if, if you're broke, then you don't need a whole lot of coverage because the coverage is mainly in case you hit someone else and it's your fault and you injure them big time. And, right. and, and you owe them a ton of money now for all the pain and suffering and medical expenses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, it's liability, which is uh, really the main reason you get insurance. Secondarily right. for your own car to, to, you know, for the, uh, to get it replaced. So if you are broke, you don't worry that much that some freak thing will happen and that you will have a $500,000 judgment against you because they'll never collect it off you if you're broke and right. you're, you're unlikely to make a lot of money. Uh, if, however, if you have a lot of assets, if you, you, you make a lot of money at your job, then you want to be protected because then the people can get the money out of you. So it's a, it's a matter of, you know, can they get the money out of you very easily? And I, I'm not saying it's right to stiff people you owe them money, but, you know, uh, on the other hand, I'm just talking about what you should be covered and, and right. uh, the coverage you need and... Uh, you need to weigh it right. with a number of factors, and basically, it's it's uh, if I'm out this much money from a claim against me, could I afford? You know, would I? Do I have the assets where they could get that out of me, or or am right. I broke or where it wouldn't matter? I couldn't pay anyway. That that's my yeah, suggestion. Even, even if you were broke, can't they take? If you were getting a paycheck, can't they get pieces of that? They can, but it's very hard because they they can't take your entire paycheck and have you live on the street. So right. they have to come up with something that uh, you know, that that allows you to live, and 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 also if you're not working a regular job, it's very hard to do. And and again, I'm not suggesting that people stiff those that they injure in auto accidents. I'm, obviously, that's not the right thing to do. But at the same time, there's a lot of BS in these claims of, of pain and suffering and a lot of the crap. A lot of people milk these things when they get in an accident to get the most they can out of whoever hit them. So uh, that that's. That happens too, and that I would not feel bad at all stiffing someone out of if I know they're just milking it to get money out of me. So, right. so anyway, uh, that's and there there are minimums of, of what you have to be covered, but um, you know I, I would suggest don't get the minimum if you have a lot of assets, and um, if you have a lot of and if you don't have a lot of assets, don't get major coverage or you're probably wasting your money, right. and 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 definitely always shop around. So that's that's my advice with uh, with auto insurance, and uh, also I would avoid getting the extras like rental car coverage and other little things like that. Uh, medical payments you, you that usually duplicates other things you have, and, and the rental car coverage. You know, sure it's nice to have rental cars paid, but it just isn't worth it in the long run unless you're real again really broke and couldn't afford a rental car if you needed one. Otherwise, right. I wouldn't advise wasting your money on that type of thing. It's, right. it's a big money maker for the company. Right. Uh, j- just like I say, when you rent a car and they offer you that supplemental insurance, not only do a lot of credit cards give you that for free anyway, but uh, even if you don't have it for, for free through your credit cards, 
if you're paying like 15 bucks a day for the supplemental insurance, think about it. That means you're paying 15 times 365 per year. Right. And it's like five grand. Uh, yeah. Would you ever buy an auto insurance com- uh, policy <laughs> for collision only for $5,500? Never. No. I mean, that's, that's many, many times what a collision policy would cost. So why would you ever pay 15 bucks a day for a collision damage waiver? But, yeah, the, the other thing they try and soak you on is the GPS. They try, try to get you for like $20 a day. It's, it's unbelievable if you're renting a car. So I just take my GPS with me everywhere if I'm going to get a rent-a-car, you know? Yeah. By the way, bad guy, he, he's just going off in chat. Um, he says something about Josie, you know, we had on the show before. I haven't fucked her since 2000. I'm so happy. Druff, you won a war. I don't know. What is he talking about? I have no idea. He seemed... He seemed. He told his story last week about the laptop and this and that, and said he had a lot more to add to it. But it, the way he told the story, it, I was just like, "Well, what more can he add to it?" So why doesn't he call in and yeah, just I get? Call, yeah, just dump it. I don't know what to say here. You I don't understand more. like what this big buildup is. Does he have? Does he have something, or is he is he bluffing here with the bad I, guy? What I do you know. got for us? Here? I, I don't know. And uh, no, they're saying he's drunk because the pirates won. He's drunk every time he calls it. I think you're right. That's an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's extra drunk in the in the residential neighborhood. Maybe maybe the whole residential neighborhood is drunk tonight after the pirates won. I love you, bad guy. Though truthfully, what have the pirates won right now, other than an opportunity to go to the playoffs? That's all they've won at the moment. They haven't even. They didn't win the central. They just won an opportunity to play the Cardinals to enter the NLCS. Right. So, uh, you know, the funny thing is, if you win the NLDS or any division series, there really isn't a name for that. You can't say, like, NLDS champ. There's no such thing. It's like nothing. Like, the Dodgers did that in 08 and 09. They won in the NLDS, and they couldn't even, like, brag about it because they lost the NLCS. Right. So there's, there's, there's nothing you can really say. So the, really, if the Pirates want any credibility other than we had a winning season and made the playoffs, they need to win the NLCS. They have two more series to get some real credibility for something they won. Right. But, uh, you know, bad guy, you got to call in here and at least let us know what's going on here. And uh, people asking for Chico Loco, I don't know what to do with him, though. I, I don't I don't know what Chico Loco can do tonight. Let's see. Call back Aria and say you want to speak with Anthony Gregg. <laughs> but is he playing right now? It's not a bad idea, but is he playing right now? Well, you tell, t- tell them to get a hold of them or leave a message. That's not a bad idea. You know, I'm going to call them. Screw it. I, I am going to call them. That, that's actually a good idea. Just call up and ask for Anthony Gregg. Is he playing right now in, in uh, I- Ivy's room? I'll be back in a minute. I just got to step out okay. of the room for okay, a second. I, I got to look up the Aria's number again. All right. I remember that. I think I remember. Let's see. Okay. We're going to call in and we're going to ask for Anthony Gregg. We are. Why? Because... I want to get to the bottom of this. I got to the bottom of who got Prahlad's house. It was his wife. I got to the bottom of whether or not the grinder's wife deals at the Hylea Casino in Miami. She does. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Or Chico Loco will get to the bottom of this. Hi, I'm Poco Romano speaking. Hey, this is Chico Loco. Hey. This is a guy I'm calling for. He said he's going to be in the room tonight. He said his name is Anthony Gregg. Can I talk to him? 
Hold on. Small plates. Introducing you uh, to delectable interpretations of his native Spanish fare at his namesake restaurant, Julian Serrano. World-renowned Michelin three-star chef Jean-Georges Vongerichten pushes the boundaries of a traditional steakhouse. What if he comes on? What do I say? Decidedly contemporary rewrite Jean-Georges Steakhouse. Delight in signature Italian taste at Sirio Ristorante. Maybe I'll challenge him heads up. That's what I'll do. Chico Loco will challenge him heads up. I'll say he played with Johnny Chan. The menu offers a myriad appetizers to simple and robust entrees. American fish from renowned chef Michael Mina. Notice they didn't ask Anthony who. They just immediately put me on hold. Great waterways and woodlands with freshness and seasonality setting the pace. That's kind of bar and lounge offers an extensive cocktail menu. Yes, of China, they they immediately put me on hold without even asking who that who that is. Exquisite Chinese cuisine through a 100 dish lineup that appeals to every preference. A meticulous. So it's either they're getting someone else to field the question or. But they like they didn't say Anthony who. They just immediately said hold on. Exquisite renditions of tried and true favorites. Award-winning chef John McLean puts his spin on pizza and beer with 550. It'd be funny if he gets on the phone though. A new casual dining if he's not there, ask him why he's not in his room. Of the world's most iconic pizzerias <laughs> with the buzz of the best bar scenes. Enjoy breakfast, brunch, lunch, or dinner in the all-new yeah, okay. buffet at Aria. He ain't there? With a wide selection of why gourmet dishes room? from around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Market fresh produce and delectable presentations within a warm and inviting atmosphere. Warm and inviting atmosphere. As Anthony Gregg takes your $400,000. Zarkana by Cirque du Soleil. A visually stunning modern acrobatic. Hey, how about we play for the name on the room? If I win, it is the Chico Loco room. If you win, it stays the AG400. What you say? Acrobatic fantasy universe where little by little. <laughs> He's probably like Chico Loco. I don't know anyone by that name. I don't know about this. I don't know if I want to sit out. Extravaganza that defies the possible and will leave you breathless. Designed to balance, relax, and restore, the Farm Salon at Aria harmoniously blends the earth element mm. into its decor and services. I think they may just be leaving me on hold here. Offering a complete menu of skincare. Hmm. Try one more time. Probably gonna get banned from the Aria. Aria Poker Room. This is Marissa. How may I help you? It, uh, this is Chico Loco. Uh, I called before. I say I want to speak to Anthony Gregg, and they put me on hold, and they think they forget about me. And I, I grow a beard okay. I on hold for, for so long. Okay. Is it a player? Yeah. His name is Anthony Gregg. He play. Okay. Well, he's playing in his room. All right, I'll page him and see if he responds. No, he, Hold on one second. He plays in the in the big room. He plays in the AG four hundred room. There's no, but there's nobody in the big room. Oh, there ain't nobody there. We okay. have no big game. All yeah. right, do you, you you do not know who Anthony Gregg is? No, but we don't have any high limit games going. Okay, well then, like I guess I I don't get nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well. 
inconclusive on that call. We'll keep well, at this one, though. We're going to get the answer. It was, good, it was a good try. It was a good try. <laughs> I wonder what she thought of the Price is Right thing at the end of the call. She's probably like, what the fuck was that? Like, like you're at work and just like everything sounds like a little off, but you're it's, it's like, okay, kind of. And then you hear that, like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, she just hangs up. She's like, okay, the price is right. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how do you rectify that in your mind? What just happened? What, right. what does she think just happened when she hung up the phone? <laughs> I don't know. She's probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm going to keep up on this one. I'm not giving up. I, I like how much we found out so far. And unless it gets revealed on 2 plus 2 in some way before we get uh, further. Uh, by the way, uh, this this broadcast is brought to you by Geico. Right. But a talking gecko. Why? I'll tell you why. Because people trust Advertising icons. Some bloke tells you to go to geico.com and you're like, really? And just do my Ubi. But a gecko, he can be trusted. Have you gone mad? All you do is you just you just lower the, the coverage and you say, oh, it's saving you money. Yeah, you save us money until we get in a bloody wreck. And then we, we can't afford anything because you don't cover us for anything. You say, oh, you saved 15%. Yeah, yeah my, my bankroll didn't save 100% because I'm broke now thanks to you. I ask if you want to save hundreds on car insurance, and you're like, yes, thank you. Mind babysitting my kids. And I'm like, of course I'll sit with the kids. You're like a brother to me. Geico. Yeah, you'll sit with my kids, and what you're going to do is you, you'll pay them 15% attention. You'll, you'll charge me a cut rate, and in the meantime, you'll, you'll be doing God knows what in the background and not watching them, and my kid will probably be choking on a Tinker toy somewhere. And you say, well, we saved you money on babysitting. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening tonight to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend Show. Tonight's friend, the usual China Maniac. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you had a lot of good things to add tonight. A lot of times I was uh, I drew a blank on things or didn't know a certain thing. You were just like right there with the fact. And uh, I could be there for that, yeah, and that uh, made it better. And uh, good li- good one liners tonight too. I, I I just wasn't fast enough to get to the uh, laugh track button sometimes. I, I wanted to hit it sometimes. <laughs> I also kind of... I underutilized this tonight. I should have done that one more. But uh, anyway, people. Uh, we will be back next week. This show wasn't even supposed to take place at all, by the way. This show was canceled and put back on the schedule. So just be happy it exists. It's only been five days... Since the last show we did here, I could have just said, forget it, I'm just going to keep it canceled. But no. But no, I came back, and I even had a co-host tonight. And next week, we will be back, October 8th. And can you believe it? No money for the free roll turned into $225 for the free roll. Who won those, by the way? No idea. Maybe in the chat room they can take credit uh, for who won. But, uh... You know, I gave Bad Guy a chance to call in. He didn't call in. So, uh... I think he's bluffing. He might be. We'll have to wait until uh, maybe next week. He, he did say last week, October 8th, but that was assuming that there would be no no show on uh, this week. And there is a show this week. There was a show this week. So, but we will be back next week, October 8th, 7 p.m. or thereabouts, Pacific Time. 
maybe one of these times we will be going at uh, 10 o'clock. Someone asked me, why don't you just stay on 10 more minutes and do the call? Uh, because uh, I have to do some things here anyway, so I don't feel like just wasting 10 minutes and I'm getting on a call. And I'm afraid that they won't be ready exactly at 10 if they get into work at 10, you know. Anyway, that's all for this week. Thank you very much to China Maniac. Thank you very much to our free roll donators, Victor Romden, Ryland, and Hockey Guy. Thank you to the live audience in the chat room, and of course to the archive audience and anyone who listens. Good night, and good night. Shalom.